Hello, welcome to episode 150 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, a recently decongested Stephen Hill. I listened back to last week's episode, Renfrey, mm-hmm. and I sound like the man from the Tunes advert in the 80s. Hello, don't do I sounded awful. I sounded like I was deaf. I was like, has he gone deaf? There's, no. a, there's a few I times was... where you sound like that. I assured you at the end of the episode, so yeah. Was, yeah, you sounded great, mate. You uh, lied, I was didn't lying. you? You yeah, lied. Yeah, yeah, yeah you were like, lying. Oh my God, what a snotty piece of shit. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was. And annoyingly, it kind of went away. And I've woken up today and I was just as bunged up. I was like, do I just get, is it like Thursday hay fever? <laughs> where all I get it on a Thursday and we record on a Thursday and the rest of the week I'm fine. But yeah, I, I, I think I sound all right. I mean, I've got a bit of a bad throat from the shenanigans of the weekend, which I'll get to in a little tiny bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be reviewing new music on the show this week from Eamon Ra, Earn Fucked Up and the Guru Guru. Uh, we'd also like to say thank you very much to all of our patrons. Patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast is where you can sign up for our exclusive bonus content where we do writers reviews for any amount over a pound. You can suggest an album. This last couple of weeks, Renfrew's been moving house. I've been a download. Shit's been going crazy. So we haven't done a writer's review for a couple of weeks. Can we're going to kind of catch up on them. We're going to do a few. I'm not sure if we can use me moving house as an excuse anymore. I think we've wrung that one dry. No, no, no. no. But <laughs> but then, but last week was sort of download, you know, the week before I was getting all my shit together. Last week was busy. Yes, yes. Yeah, but for, it, but it for other busy. reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, you were you at download. I mean, you were at download. Yeah. And you, and you just haven't bothered listening to Bauhaus. I have listened to it now. I have. Okay, and I've got right. lots to say yeah, I've listened to it a bunch of times. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bauhaus should hopefully be up very soon and then we'll try and do a couple more next week and catch up on it all but yes for patrons we've got loads of writers reviews up from your suggestions miles davis we did recently we did everyone from tyler the creator who we will be reviewing next week i know he's got a bit of a bummer that we couldn't get that but we couldn't get that i don't think anyone could uh this girl them crooked vultures white stripes 100 gex television kings of leon killing joke Death, Block Party, Helmet, London Grammar, Death Above 1979, Biffy Clyro, Popwelly itself, Paul Simon, loads, got loads. Um, we do also had the old Neil Young after the Gold Rush classic album came up. If you sign up for our £5 tier, you get two, two albums a month. Although this month, you're kind of going to get three because yeah. I, I haven't told you this yet, Renfrey. I'm going to tell you this now. We're, we're going to be recording a special one closer by Joy Division. I actually have decided I think I do like Unknown Pleasures more than I like Closer. So oh. I like both. So, so I think I think we just do Enjoy Division. Okay. We're doing the entirety of Joy Divisions. I mean, I thought we could split it, Unknown Pleasures and Closer, and do a double. We could have done that. Well, we, but can, I'm not we sure can that still do that. It's up to you, isn't We it? could do, but because it all happens within the space of a two-year period, I think you can get away with doing all of Joy Division in one big podcast. Oh, Ian Curtis is spinning in his grave. He's not spinning in his grave. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> he's doing that anyway, weird dance in his grave, probably. He's lost control again. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, that's a Joy Division joke, everyone. Not a very good one. Have you ever seen right. Ian Curtis? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Have you ever seen Ian Curtis ro- rides the roller coaster on YouTube? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. <laughs> oh, mate. it's really funny it's just like a ro- the view of the front of a roller coaster and it goes down and it does as it goes down Ian Curtis does that wee <laughs> I love shit like that there's the uh, there's, there's Billy, the Billy, Billy Corgan Billy, one Billy yeah. Corgan rides the roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do it 
basically the same. <laughs> There's one of Chris Cornell and he goes, Aah! I think Chris Cornell would be able to handle a roller coaster oh. a bit more than that makes out that he could. Anyway, five pounds a month, two classic albums. We've done Sepultura, Weezer, The Beatles, Pink Floyd, Guns N' Roses, Depeche Mode, Pixies, Opeth, Gallows, Queens of Stone Age, Beastie Boys, Foo Fighters, Blur, Cave-In, Lamb of God, Glassjaw, loads, loads and loads and loads and loads that we've done on there. So go over and have a little look-see. And I've got to say as well, Neil Young one was really good. And thanks to everyone who was pleased with the Neil Young, because I think a lot of people went, hey, I've never really listened to Neil Young before. Yeah, that was wicked. Now you have. It was mm. wicked. It was a really fun one to do. There is something... I do really enjoy doing the more modern ones and stuff like that but there is really something about doing an album that is very much established as a classic where yeah. you just get so many cool little stories and there's so many cool things to to find um they're different challenges really sometimes it's like oh god how do i fill this with two hours if we're doing something quite small that we we love and cherish and then you get those ones and it's like well I could do a six-hour podcast on this if I really wanted to. So, yeah, it becomes more about sort of curation of the information. Curation of the information. That sounds like a pitch shifter song or something. Anyway. It does. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yes, thank you to everyone who uh, uh, yeah. told us, who, who said nice things about that as well. That was great. Curation fun. of the information sounds like a pitch shifter song. No one's ever said that <laughs> sentence before in <laughs> no, history. No. So in, in, no. in the entirety of the how many, many thousands and millions of years this depending on what your religious belief is. Um, however long this planet has been alive, no one has ever said curation of the... What did you call I it? I can't even remember. Is, is a pitch shifter song. No one's ever said that before. So, that, so there you go, something new. New yeah. content from Renfrey. We, we should charge money for this. <laughs> yeah, we should. Um, the Metallica Black Album. Let's talk about this. This is really fucking cool, I think. So the Metallica um, Black Album box set as I suspected would be coming, is coming this year. It's I've looked on Metallica's website. It's $270 the, for the, the big... The big, big, big one is. Yeah, the yeah, big, yeah. big one. You do get a fucking insane amount of stuff, though. I think it is. And, I mean, excuse me, because I haven't actually got that. I've got the other thing that we're going to be talking about I think it's uh, in like, front of me. I think it's 14 S CDs and then, yeah. like, 28 it's six vinyl. DVDs. Six DVDs. It's six DVDs. Fuck. Six DVDs. Um... Uh, it's a it's a it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, it's a hell of a lot of stuff. And um, let me see if I can get it up right here. Well, whilst you're doing that, I mean, to be fair, the Metallica reissues that they have put out so far have been absolutely fantastic, and they've done that fantastic yeah. thing of having different kind of um, sizes for, for 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 different fans and stuff. So I've just been kind of getting the remastered and expanded editions on cd with like an additional like you'll get like a a bonus disc of riffs and stuff and then a bonus disc of um like a live album or something like that and uh, for my for the amount of money that i earn i'm quite happy with that if i had all the money in the world uh i'm sure i'd buy the big behemoths that i um, mean i i i don't uh, i don't i i do want i want that it's, i'm looking on, i'm looking on their official uk store now and it's £229. Now, I've got the Ride the Lightning and Justice for All box set. And I, and when I, when I, we used to record this at your house, I used to stare lovingly, lovingly at them every single time you were out of the room. Love it, lovingly. <laughs> lovingly at them, yes, yeah. Yeah, so what you get 
um, it, according to this, is um, a numbered box set with a magnetic flap. Oh. oh. Um, <laughs> 180 gram double LP and CD, Sabatru picture disc, three live LPs, 14 CDs and six DVDs featuring unreleased content, live shows, rough mixes, demos, etc. MP3 download card of all the audio, four tour laminates, lanyards, three lithos, three guitar picks, lyric folder and sheets and 120 page this is what I want. Hardback, hardcover book with never before seen photos and stories from those who were there. It's a lot of stuff. Is that the Ross Halfen book? Is that the black and white Ross Halfen book? Because if it is, um, that is available separately. No, it doesn't look oh. like it is. Because I know there is like the black album in black and white, isn't there? It's called. The, yeah. But it doesn't look like that that's what it is. Well. Oh, okay. Wow. Exclusive to that box. So that's cool. That makes me want to spend money. <laughs> and I don't yeah, and, and I mean, I'm not even a massive fan of the Black Album. But if if in in terms of the Metallica discography, like in my personal mm. discography, it's quite low. Um, despite it yeah. objectively being a great record. I mean it is. Um great record. But um yeah, it's 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 one of my it's one of my personal least favourites. I think just because half the album I've heard so much. I, I I feel like a lot of those songs I don't really need to hear again. Yeah, I don't need to hear Enter Sandman ever yeah. again. Unless you hear one of the six covers that are coming out <laughs> of Enter Sandman. So this is the other thing we should say. I think this is really fucking cool. And it would be really easy for Metallica. Like, I mean, what other metal bands could get this eclectic and diverse a group of people to cover songs from that one record in their career? So Metallica will be doing a... 53 or 50 is it 53 it was, or 57 uh it's 53 track album 53 oh. different covers of songs from the black album right mm. so there are for example the first cd is just enter sandman and sad but true Fucking and there's hell. six six <laughs> six versions of both of them right so you've got enter sandman by alessia cara and the warning mac demarco ghost uh, Juanes, Rina Sawayama, Ooh. amazing, and mm, Weezer. We know what they're going to do. Uh. They previous, <laughs> haven't they? Um, I mean, out of those, there is a trailer you can hear where it plays a little snippet of every single one of the 53 covers. Oh, right. And there already are a few that have pricked my ears up. And I have to say, the, uh, the, the Alicia Cara and the Warning cover, I was like, oh, wow. Mm. you're really changing this like it's not a kind of obvious cover obviously weezer don't try and change it in any way whatsoever <laughs> um fair play to ghost as well i think it would have been really easy for ghost to do quite an obvious cover of it and i don't think they're going to do that okay that's cool i i i'll admit i like the sound of ghost doing enter sandman i mean that sounds pretty perfect to me rena sawayama's version sounds really fucking great as well that sounds very uh, interesting yeah yeah you've got versions of sad but true by sam fender jason isbell mexican institute of sound featuring la perla and gira mx royal blood saint vincent and white reaper 13 it says white white reaper 13 dot sad but true hyphen yb don't know what that means um white reaper i'm guessing i mean out of those like <laughs> no one really seemed like they were doing much with sad but true other than the mexican institute of sound obviously I, like i said i've only heard little tiny snippets of this but royal blood kind of royal you know 
that bass heavy makes sense for a band like Royal Blood to cover it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sam Fender, I have no real opinion on him. I don't know who many of the others are. St. Vincent do a fair... Sounds like it's fairly straight. They're quite a kind of straight rock band, right? But still, Rina Sawam and Mac DeMarco, Sam Fender, that's a pretty fucking eclectic mix of people and have nothing to do with metal. Yeah, very eclectic. I think yeah, it was yeah. interesting, some of the ones you read out there for Sad But True, because I thought maybe they'd purposefully chosen a lot of artists who are softer sounding, let's just say. Um, because, you know, it's one of the heaviest songs on that record. Um, but if it sounds like most of them have done straight covers of it, that sounds like a bit of a waste of time. I don't know. Well, I I, I, yeah, I mean, it sounds fairly kind of straight. But I mean, most people on this of this 53 tracks, even Metallica on the Black Album, I would say most people on here are softer than Metallica. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, there are exceptions when we get to CD2. Holier Than Thou by Biffy Clyro. Mm. The Chats. Off. Mm. Fucking amazing. Mm. Pup. Mm. And Corey Taylor. Uh, I mean, I, I think Corey <laughs> Taylor will do it quite straight. Yeah. Uh, I really love the idea of Pup and Off doing kind of punked up versions of Holier Than Thou. And the little snippet I heard of Biffy, yeah. they, they, they Biffy it. Brilliant. They do what Biffy do to it. So I that's quite exciting as well. wait to hear that. I'm I'm always even if I don't necessarily like it I'm always interested in a Biffy cover you know Mm. they do them very well usually yeah seven covers of the Unforgiven bit much in it Cage the Elephant um, Vishal Dadlani Divine and Shaw Police Diet Sig Flatbush Zombies featuring DJ Scratch Hash or Ha Ha Star Ash hash i think uh jose madero and moses sumney so um there was one i think like the flatbush zombies one sounded like they'd done something weird with unforgiven but that, most of them sounded like it was fairly like the cage elephant one was i remember being like oh that seems fairly kind of straight and i think there's sort of but you know uh again quite a there's not really we take out kind of diet sig and cage elephant they're not really any rock bands doing that mm. at all yeah which yeah. is quite interesting um cd3 features four versions of wherever i may roam by j balvin chase and status featuring black road g the neptunes and john pardy now this is where i think this starts getting really fucking interesting Mm. chase and status one sounds larry as fuck the neptunes one i mean obviously the i don't know who's the neptunes is a name where i'm like you know in the early noughties they're that kind of revolutionary pop production that they perfected i love i was like oh what? like you don't really hear people talking about the ne- the neptunes no, you, hear about for, you know i mean you hear them being talked about as individuals but you don't really hear oh it's the neptunes anymore so i was really excited to hear that and the little bit that i heard sounded really fucking good as well so that's cool um three versions of don't tread on me by uh sebastian Portugal, the man, and Volbeat. I mean, that is a really bizarre yeah. three. Yeah, like, Portugal, the man. Yeah, covering "Don't Tread on Me." Yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that's a, that's yeah. <laughs> no comment beyond yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, two versions of "Through the Never." One by the Who, not Tommy uh, the Who, <laughs> and Tommy and like won't get fooled again. But the, the, the Mongolian. Yeah, the HU. And Tommy Owo. So uh, the Who one sound, I think they're doing it in their native tongue as well, in Mongolian. So okay. that's 
pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously quite a lot of versions of no- nothing else matters. Um, nothing else matters being done by Phoebe Bridges. Uh, Miley Cyrus featuring Watt, Elton John, Yo-Yo Ma, Rob Trillio being asked to be on his own tribute album. I suppose he didn't play on this album. He didn't play on this album. And Chad Smith. Um, Dave Gahan from Depeche Mode. God. Uh, Mickey Guyton. Although I have to say, I was like, yes, Dave Gahan. And then I heard the little snippet of his version. I was like, oh no, he's doing like a fucking John Lewis advert. Uh, Uh, Don't like that. Dermot... Dermot Kennedy, Mon Laferte, um, Igor Levitt, My Morning Jacket, mm. PG Roxette, Darius Rucker of, um, uh, what are they called? Hooting the Blowfish and Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton and Trezor. So that is actually six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve versions of Nothing Else Matters. I mean, not sure. Oh. I want twelve, especially when none of like Darius Rucker and the Chris Stapleton one. To be fair, sounded quite good. I thought. Is but that most of them were just like, oh yeah, it's nothing else matters. Is that an entire CD of nothing else matters? Then it's two. It's it's oh my God. CD three from track ten to track fifteen is nothing else matters. CD four track one to track six is nothing else matters. Christ. There's a lot of Nothing Else Matters and only one version of A Wolf and Man, which is one of my favourite songs on the whole record. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well. Just for Jason Newstead's, we got any wolves out there? <laughs> Woo! That's the thing though, isn't it? The S&M version is so superior to the Black Album yeah. version. So superior. Yeah, for just for Jason Newstead's backing vocals. <laughs> Always. I think they should... What I would like is a remastered version of the Black Album of just Jason Newstead's backing vocals. Ship, ship! <laughs> Moon fifth! Fuck to the meaning! It'd be nice to oh. have... It'd be nice to have um, a CD of uh, Jason's bass from A Justice For All. Then you could play that one at the same time as the original and <laughs> you'd have it how it sounds. It should have sounded in the first place. That'd be good. Mm. Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> oh, I wonder why no one's ever brought that up before, Renfrey. That's weird, isn't it? Oh, I just spat out my coffee. It's going well. <laughs> yeah. That took him half an hour to make as well. Um, <laughs> what, one a call back. Good... what a callback. Yeah, brilliant call That's back. a callback to need... weeks See, ago. This is why you need to listen every week, guys. <laughs> That's a callback we... to when I was in I my know... last house. <laughs> I know. I know we put a lot of content out. But you need to listen to all of it to really get the best out of this podcast. And I understand, like, you know, we're not going to win the Heavy Music Awards. Oh, busy. It's easy. Yeah, Dan P. Carter only puts one out every four months. Can only be bothered to do it once every four months when he can suck up to Fat Mike or Maynard James Keenan. I get it, right? It's easy. <laughs> I did say this to Dan's face at the weekend, okay. and he knows I'm and he knows I'm joking. By the way, I, we, so that's fine. we are very keen. We like Dan a lot, so <laughs> like, we're very very keen on Dan, like quite genuinely. So. He actually said to me, he was like, "Yeah, but it's quality over quantity is important." <laughs> well, fair play, and I, Dan. Yeah, fair play. And, and I went, "Yes, I agree. It is. That's why we still win." It's you having a chat with oh, someone, face. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. um yeah, of Wolf of Man by Goodnight Texas. This is exciting as well. The God That Failed, two versions of The God That Failed, one by Idols mm. and one by Imelda May. Yeah, I heard this. I was like, oh, The God That Fails by Idols. I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine the Imelda May one. Bonkers. 
I like the sound I've, of that. I've, I've, I've heard a bit of the Idols one, and it is totally unrecognisable as a song. Cool. Good. Which I, I think, think is great. cool. Yeah. I think that's great. Really, really good. Um, My Friend of Misery by Cherry Glazer and Isaiah. And My Friend of Misery by Kamazi Washington. I think that'd be cool as well. Okay. The Struggle very Within un- Very by... underrated song, My Friend of Misery, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 it's a bit of a shame. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. My Friend of Misery, Cherry Glazer, Isaiah, and Kamazi Washington. And only one version of The Struggle Within by Rodrigo and Gabriela, the oh. flamenco. Well, that'd be a nice way to end it. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, what that says to me about Metallica is that it says something that you can, you know, people can get shitty about Metallica. They can get as fucking pissy as they want. But let's be honest, right? There is not another metal band, even if we're putting up Slipknot, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Motorhead, Slayer, Pantera, like whoever you want to put up as the, uh, the, the, the next biggest metal band which would probably be Maiden or, or Sabbath, right? You couldn't do Paranoid or Power Slave and get uh, and, and get those like Kamazi Washington and Imelda May and Phoebe Bridges and Portugal the Man covering them and the Neptunes. I just don't think you could. Maybe you'd get half of them either side. Mm. I can imagine Phoebe Bridges or the Neptunes wanting to do something with Black Sabbath. I can and or Kamazi Washington. I can't really imagine Kamazi Washington doing it, but I can imagine like Idols or um, My Morning Jacket maybe wanting to do Iron Maiden. Mm, mm. But I can't imagine that either of them going the other. Do you know what I mean? I can't imagine that entirety of people being willing to do any other artist apart from Metallica. Yeah, I know. No, I mean, I, I. I, I... It's 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 a point that's come up again and again and again. The kind of like breadth that Metallica have, and I think I think it really started to come up a lot. I mean, I guess it started with the load <laughs> period, but when they did the Orion Festival, which always sounded like a, you know, to be honest, a totally a really interesting festival, an interesting idea. Well, when you look back at the lineup, I think we have done on this on this show before. When you look back at the lineup, it's a fucking great. It's lineup. fascinating. Yeah, it's really really you know maybe a little bit ahead of its time, or I don't know. I, it's a difficult one because what I like about Metallica is they want their fans to be open-minded and they keep challenging them and they keep pushing their buttons. And to be fair, you know, some of those challenges sometimes aren't very good. Sometimes they're a bit crap. But the fact that they're willing to make those take those risks on such a gigantic scale and with so many people watching who are urging you to fail because they have nothing better in their own sad little lives than to point and laugh at someone who's better than them when they fuck up on something <laughs> you know i think that's a really brave and amazing thing to do and 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 you know people like us we do r- try to remind people of this all the time uh, you, i mean you always get people who well hate on metallica don't you it's just it's just mm. you know but yeah no i mean there's very few bands and there's there's no well there's no bands in their position who do what they do period it's it's metallica they're the only band in their position who do what they do and that's fucking great yeah i'm really looking forward to hearing a lot of that because you know the idea of i mean kerrang did the and i think have hammer ever done one they've done like tribute cds before but not like a football but when they brought out like you know like kind of the master puppets remaster with a load of covers and stuff or like the nevermind one with a load of covers like that shit's cool they did a black album one as well i think they did a black album one and i think that's cool like i like to hear you know bands doing pretty like let's be honest for the most part 90 percent of them were 
metal bands inspired by Metallica yeah. trying to do Metallica being Metallica. Like, you know, Funeral for a Friend doing Master of Puppets or yeah. Machine Machine Like Machine Discover Battery is brilliant. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's great, but it's exactly what you expect it to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is way, way more interesting personally. It's definitely more interesting, but doesn't necessarily mean it'll be better. It'll be better. Or, no, no. Or but I but I kind of imagine it will be. I mean, you know, if I'm totally honest, the idea of sitting down and listening to the whole thing front to back doesn't really appeal to me, I have to say. It's the sort of thing that I feel like I'll dip into every mm. now and then and i probably i probably won't listen to nothing else matters 12 times on the trot is what i'm trying to say to be totally yeah. honest with you but i'm sure that these compilations they tend to yield maybe even if it's just like five percent of the songs that are good good on it they those five percent usually stay with you you know and they're usually really really good covers that you treasure for a very long time so i'm definitely excited to hear it i mean there's some of those some of those pairings sound fascinating at the very least and fair play to Metallica for commissioning it. It's cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, the only other one that I could think of where I'm like, this is a kind of cooler mix of people um, was when we when we did Acting Baby, we found the Acting Baby. I mean, of course, I'm going to bring it back to you too, but <laughs> the, act, the Acting Baby um, covers album that had Patti Smith, The Killers, Snow Patrol. I've picked a couple of them. quite bad ones to start, but The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, Nails yeah, Jack nice. White, Yes, um, yes. Was it Queens of Stone Age? I'm not sure if it was Queens of Stone Age or not. But like there was a there was a the cure, you know, like again, I think Depeche Mode or Dave Gahan did something on that as well. Yeah. Like really, really fucking awesome spread of artists. And I do think that like it says a lot about a band when you look at who they've inspired and you just go, Wow, it's everyone. Of course it's like does. Mary J. Blige yeah. is on the U two one as well. Yeah. Mental. Yeah. Um, really good anyway that's metallica they're good should we talk about the download or shall i talk about the download pilot do you well, want to know what happened yes i absolutely do want to know what happened at the download pilot right. okay well i'll tell you um <laughs> i went to the download pilot this weekend uh we haven't really done any live reviews we've been to a couple of gigs between the two of us i think but um sitting on a bench and they have been good. Like I saw Puppy, I saw Foxjaw. I think both of us have seen both of those bands. Yep. It was really good. It was really good to see live music. Obviously, you know, sitting on a bench, it wasn't quite the same sort of thing, but it was still really good. But we haven't really talked about it that much. I think that um, this has kind of gone undiscussed, even between you and me. But there's been a bit of a silent kind of agreement, in my opinion. I think because bands are just getting back into it and stuff, it feels a little bit unfair to like critique them when you know it's like the first show that every single band has played for 15 months you know yeah. um in like in some of our other roles we're having to do that anyway um but, but I'm, I'm not i don't see the point in us doing it here really until but with this download pilot it's kind of an exception because this is a big event and and we're very like i'm really interested to hear how it ran and how it was mm. organized and obviously this is a you know a tester event and all that sort of stuff so yeah. it has so many um um it has so many effects on the future of the, the the near future of live music that we need to talk about it so yeah for sure i mean it is a, it's a it's a, a it, it's a historic event it, it is Do you know what i mean i came back at the end and i was like wow that's a little piece of history yeah yeah you know once things go back to normal that will be kind of ground zero almost for i know they've had gigs but in terms of like a three-day long festival with absolutely no masks or social distancing or anything at all 
Yeah. This is the first this is the first one in this country, I yeah. believe. So it is like a hugely significant, really, really important thing. And and, and it will be I in was, the history books for the rest of time as a result. It will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone who kind of got involved who was there, you were kind of involved in I think something bigger than just live download or live music coming back. Um saying that, I almost did want to fuck it off when I saw the weather. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, as as you know, Renfrey, and as most people probably know who listen to the show on the reg, um, the weather has the potential to just like I. It was absolutely shitting it down. Like I woke up in the morning and I was like, I'm going to travel up. I was going to go and meet Merlin from Hammer. I was obviously covering it for Hammer, and it was raining so hard that I was like, yeah, like I've waited so long, and yeah, and I was quite excited about it. And yet, I still was like, I don't think I can have a good time in this weather. <laughs> I don't think I can have a good time. And I was properly like, I'm I'm almost like, I don't want to go now. And I was really in a mood. And I got on the train you, to meet Mel. In a mood? Yeah, in a mood. Like and, then on, and we went in the car and I had a massive rant at Merlin at the start. I was like, oh, it's going to be awful. I can't believe this. For fuck's sake, why? Oh, it Merlin. was really sunny the other day. Yeah, he had to take the brunt of my shit. <laughs> and then I just sort of got out of my system and I was like, you know what? I can't fucking moan about it. I can't fucking moan about it. And so we were traveling up. It was absolutely shitting it down, shitting it down. And we got to the festival site and it kind of, you, we were walking along outside and you still had your mask on and stuff and they, you know, that you, you had to jump through quite a lot of hoops to get in, mm -hmm. in terms of the testing that you had to do. So I had to fill out a questionnaire um, about my sort of health history of what's happened to me in the life before for, for, for Festival Republic um, uh, and then put that in i then had to do a lateral flow test at the start of the week or the middle of the week um and upload the email that the nhs sent me saying that i was clear mm -hmm. and i had to take a photo of myself holding my test result mm -hmm. on the actual little thing that you drip into um what i learned from that is i have very weak gag reflex <laughs> very very weak gag reflex renfrey just a little touch um so to all of my previous partners <laughs> I'm sorry I ever doubted you. It's horrible. Uh, you're right. It is horrible. Um, and uh, that's a bit bawdy, wasn't it? That's a bit much. That's more like sort of what a thing you'd sort of thing you'd say that, more than me, isn't that, it? Really? No, that was a tad much. We'll carry on. Um, carrying on. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, so I had to do that. I had to upload the, the thing. Seven a.m. in the morning. I had to do another one. Had to fill in a, a sort of check thing every morning before you could get on site. They had to kind of approve it all. So I got there and they were like, yep, yeah, you've done it. Like approved. Here's your thing. And there's a little barcode on your kind of COVID um, wristband. So I had like three wristbands. Um, and one of them's a kind of COVID safe wristband. And they would scan it before you got into the site to be. So if that had come up, like, no, you haven't had the test or you've tested negatively, like mm. they would know basically. Mm. So theoretically, every single person that got on site should have been cleared that morning mm -hmm. as being free of COVID. That should theoretically be what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, we got on site and as I walked through, like the second stage was right by the kind of um, guest entrance bit where we were. 
which was in a tent and it was still raining. I mean, at this point it wasn't raining so much and I was like, oh, you know what, fuck it. Like first band's under a tent. There is a few bands in the tent that I want to see. So just like whatever. It was a definitely an uh, obviously a more scaled down version of download. So what used to be the third stage was the second stage. Mm-hmm. The main stage was where the main stage usually was. It wasn't as big an actual stage mm-hmm. as you usually got at download. It was obviously more of a kind of, I mean, like you said before, sort of 2000 trees s- style mm-hmm sized stage right mm-hmm. um the site itself was quite small but there was fairground rides there were burger vans there mm. were tattoo places there were you know bits and bobs there were the dodgems there was you know like it, it was like a little kind of mini download and i walked into the field and i still had my mask on and then i think merle or eleanor who from hammer with it and they they took their mask and i suddenly was like oh yeah i can take this off so i took it off and it was just like there's people everywhere and the first thing you sort of walk through and we're like we're going to walk to the sort of press area and put our stuff in the the sort of press tent and walking through and just seeing the stage and stuff it was kind of surreal Mm. it was kind of it was kind of normal but kind of like oddly it was kind of odd that it was normal yeah and then when we got in you know i saw i saw so many people that i suddenly was like fuck me i've not seen you for years yeah you know like like kind of in some cases almost two years because you might not have seen um whoever you Mm. know Uh, but the amount of people who i saw that were there was just like within sort of half an hour it was like the last 18 months or whatever it just never happened Mm. it was so odd and then when i you know when we left in the weekend which i talk about at the end but going back and being like oh shit yeah i need to put my mask on and stuff like you got into this little bubble where you like a literal bubble where you were like oh the world is normal in here Mm. um and so we sort of hung out for a bit and got like a drink and it was you know it's fine i was like oh you know the the rain there was around a a sort of a tent and the rain was fine walked over to see the first band on i was like i should see the first band so the first band are called deaf bloom so i knew nothing about really i didn't know anything about them at all um and they were playing the the Vega Boys is coming and everybody's turning as their kind of opening <laughs> like intro music, which yeah. I thought was and everyone was sort of jumping up and down. And as I was walking over, like my heart started beating really like my heart and I was like, Am I what what is this? Is this excitement or is it anxiousness or what what is it? And when that ended and the lights went down and the crap like and we stood kind of about halfway down, just on the edge of the tent. And when the lights went down and the drummer walked out and the band sort of walked out and they did that like, you know, in the band sort of like, like when that happened, I fucking like, it, it, it was like my heart stopped beating for a second and it like took the, the breath out of the air out of my lungs. Like, you know, when you kind of I, I sh- I genuinely like shocked by something, I was like, mm. Oh, oh my God. And this band, like Death Blooms, they're all right. They're kind of new metal-y, metalcore, hardcore. They were absolutely fine. You know, they were absolutely, they seemed like a decent enough band. In any normal circumstances, I'd probably be coming on here and being like, yeah, whatever, like Mm. Death Blooms, I probably won't even mention them. Mm. But seeing them walk out and hearing them say download, and then when the camera cut, it wasn't so much them, it's when the camera cut to people opening up a circle pit. And looking to the back of the tent and seeing every single person with their arms in their air, in the air. Honestly, mate, it was an amazing, amazing feeling. It was like one of the most life-affirming things I think I've 
ever experienced. It was absolutely incredible. It was incredible. And, you know, I, I think Download slightly missed a trick by, you know, with all due respect to Def Blooms, who, like I say, are totally fine. Hmm. Imagine if they said, like, very special guests and the darkness came out. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? That no one knew what cool. happened. And they just went into I Believe in a Thing Called yeah. Love. That's the first thing you've heard in, like, God knows how yeah, long. Or, like, yeah, imagine yeah. if they booked someone they could, like... And, and to be fair, even even if they booked Def Blooms, if I was Def Blooms, I would have come out and just been, like... I, I would have done a cover of something yeah. just to be, like, the yeah. first song back yeah. you're going to hear... I would have probably have done like a cover of Creeping Death or Blind by Corn or fucking Duality or something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I was a bit like, ah, you know, I know they don't have much time and I know, you know, but you missed a trick there. A little well, bit that's now. a once in a lifetime opportunity it's to do that. Absolutely. Well. A yeah, once yeah, in a lifetime yeah. opportunity. And it would have been a difference between people being like, yes, a band. And oh, I don't know this song, but fuck it. I'm going to jump around anyway. To people being like, oh my God, they're playing like something. Duality like or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, so I like, part of me was like, you might have wanted to have thought about that but you know like i'm not i'm not shit i'm absolutely not shitting on the band because i'll probably remember the name death blooms and what they sound like forever now yeah because yeah. they were that band and it was pretty fucking spectacular and i watched the whole of their set and we walked off at the end and everyone sort of just looked at each other like oh it's it's actually happening like this is back and it's actually happening um I went over and saw a little bit of hot milk on the second stage, uh, on the sort of main stage. It was raining quite a lot. Didn't really care for them that much. And I'd had that like, oh, so I just went back and got a drink. And we were like, oh, this is fucking weird. To be honest, the Friday, Malevolence, I thought were amazing. Malevolence were great. Like Malevolence was the only thing I saw on Friday where I was like, this is really good. Like they sounded good. I think they're quite an underrated band. I think they've got a lot more craft for that kind of chess beaty hardcore. They've got a lot of um, kind of stoner, crowbar-y influences to them as well. They've got a kind of sludgy thing going on, which I think is really cool. They've got a bit of that Nola um, stoner rock thing mixed in with like hate breedy hardcore. I think that, and the sort of Pantera-isms, that southerny thing as well. I think they're a far better band than they get credit for. They were great. To be honest, after that, Apart from walking through the field while Neck Deep played, it was raining. I was like, I don't want to watch Holding Absence. I don't want to watch Boston Manor. I don't want to watch Sleep Taken. I don't want to watch Neck Deep. I do want to watch Frank Carter, but it's raining and England, Scotland's on. So I just went back to the hotel. There he I is. watched two bands and went back to the hotel. <laughs> but only, beca only because I was like, look, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to kind of like, um, uh, what's the word? I don't want to kind of like be here and just be stood in the rain and get pissed off for the fact that I'm in the rain or mm. whatever. Mm. And mm. so I've heard Frank Carter was really good. I didn't see it. It's a bit annoying because he's the only one of the headliners that I had any interest in, like as in their music. So, but anyway, look, England the, Scotland doesn't come around that much, and I know this never comes around. But I had two more days of it, so I was like, mm. I'm going back. The reports I've seen of Frank Carter looked absolutely amazing, and some of the photos are absolutely extraordinary, and looked like a, a hell of a set. Yeah. Yeah. So Saturday, I turned up and saw Lotus Eater again. Um, we've spoken about Lotus Eater on the show mm -hmm. before, and they are Larry Scottish people, Larry <laughs> yes. Scottish men. They look like they you wouldn't want to spill their pint. They look like they look like they'd deliberately bump into you to spill their pint so they could go, "Did you spill my pint?" Yes, and then they beat and then they beat you up, and they sort of sound like that as well. I did notice. Yeah. I thought to myself, like, and hopefully, I've only got some new material coming out. The one thing I did notice about them that I was like, uh, 
opposed to some of the things that I'll talk about later is I did think, you know, they could probably get better at writing actual songs. Like at the moment, it is just aggro, 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 mm -hmm. all kinds of like wild fucking aggro. I think when when they get a bit more song craft, I think they're going to be a really, really fucking good band. But they were they were great. And then I, think, I, think the they, I think they have a sound that distracts you from the fact that they're not writing many good songs yet. Mm. If I'm being totally honest. But they've honest. got enough but, going but on. But they do have enough going on to keep an eye on, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Conjurer on the main stage. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, midday, you look at the rest of the bill, right? Stonebroken, Creeper, those Dan Crows, A, Bacovi, Tire Club, you know, Enter Shikari. It, it's not a super brutally heavy bill, right? Mm -hmm. So Conjurer, particularly on that main stage, stood out like a fucking sore thumb. And I do think that they were weirdly probably a bit too heavy for that lineup on that day. Oh, I th I thought they were really great, but I looked in the crowd and people like it was midday and there's people with like bullet from a Valentine shirts on just being like, oh, what is this? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it was, it, they they opened with a new song, mm, I heard like that. the fucking the fucking nuts on those guys to I open know. with like a new song. I thought it was great and they just were like, Conjurer's music is like dense and taut and thick and suffocating and it needs to kind of grab you around the neck and it's quite hard to like get all of those people particularly when you know it's it's not made that type of music that kind of cult of lunar neurosis -y, will haveny sound is it's not really made for big festival stages right no and particularly when this is their first go at doing it i think it was quite a, uh, and particularly when you're faced with a crowd of people who I, I very much doubt any of the people who were there on that day waiting for Enter Shikari. I don't think many of them, many of them, I don't want to make kind of cast dispersions or whatever, but I don't think many of them would be there, would would have much familiarity with the kind of things that Conjurer are inspired or influenced by. Mm -hmm. So I think it was kind of a tight, a tough set. I mentioned actually that uh, Neurosis did actually play the first ever Ozfest, the US Ozfest on the main stage. And I kind of likened Conjurer to, you know, Neurosis playing with Ozzy and Danzig and Biohazard. I mean, I know all those bands are probably a lot heavier than something like yeah. A. Yeah. Well, they are. They heavy, definitely are, yeah. <laughs> definitely heavier than A. Um, but still, like, you know, it's it's different. It's murderously different, Neurosis, to like, even something like Machine Head, who were playing that day. Yeah. You know, it's very different. So it's, just, it's, just Conjurer, a, it's a different type of heavy without getting too far into it. It's just a different yeah. type of heavy. It's a different type of heavy. It's not necessarily the type of heavy that is meant to be played in those kind of environments. Saying that, they they took to it very well. They sounded good as well. Like We'll talk about sound issues on that main stage at some point. They actually sounded really good, particularly as the opening band. It all sounded really kind of crisp and it cut through. They were good. They were very good. Um, and for their first go at doing a, a stage that size, I thought it was great. I just think it was kind of the wrong crowd for them, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It was kind of the wrong crowd for them. Um, but i, I got to admire, I mean, the, the amazing thing about Conjurer is they are so good they can adapt to many, many different scenarios. And I have to say, I've never seen them have to adapt to something quite as challenging as that before. But all the other scenarios where I've been like, oh, I don't know if this is going to quite work for them. Um, they've absolutely killed it. So, you know, that is that is a hell of a challenge. And um, Well, if, if, if everything goes all right on this and we, we get a bloodstock later this year, they'll be playing on another similarly sized 
festival yeah. stage, yeah. probably with a more suitable lineup surrounding them. Yeah. And I would suspect with that that will go down well. better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I suspect that will be well, better. Con- Conjure have already played a couple of sets at Bloodstock where people saw them as like yeah they played the second stage yeah you know so so i think there are people at that festival who are very familiar with them already so yeah Yeah. anyway okay um so yeah so there was that um then i watched bleed from within Mm -hmm. now bleed from within are kind of i mean i wouldn't say they're the middle between conjurer and the rest of the bill but certainly bleed from within are still I would say a lot heavier than most of the other things. They're much more metal than yeah. everything else on that bill. Absolutely. But their metal is Lamb of God, Pantera, yeah. Machine Head, groove metal stuff. Yeah. And now they are a band who I personally think if you like that sort of thing from a young modern band, it's a bit more that you know there is more elements of kind of more contemporary sounding metal in there there's a bit more of the sheen of kind of modern metal core of your you know even the sort of heavier ones from even the, the sleepses or a berry tomorrow whoever from that that scene and that's kind of where they came from i think bleed from within have actually amassed a pretty fucking impressive back catalog of albums in the last decade or so i thought the album that came out last year fracture was really good I think the one that came out before that, which escapes m- me right now, is good as well. I really loved Uprising when that came in at about 2014. They write very, very stodgy. You could say, I mean, you could say kind of basic um, groove metal, but I think they're so fucking good at doing that. And Britain don't have a band like that. They don't actually have a band that do that. In fact, actually, I'm struggling to think of many bands in the world. Like, you know, The Haunted did it for a bit. There was bands like Pissing Razors in the 90s. Um, there was, I, I guess there's been periods where, I mean, Lamb of God, obviously, I mentioned Lamb of God. I think Lamb of God have been the kind of 21st century version of that. And Bleed From Within are obviously borrowing pretty heavily from the Lamb of God play, playbook. Yeah. And I've seen Bleed From Within play lots of little shows before. And I'm always like, this band looked like they should be playing bigger venues than this tiny little venue. Well, this is the time to step up, right? When you finally got a shot on the main stage at yeah, Download. Absolutely. Bleed From Within were fucking amazing. They were fucking amazing, man. They are so good live. Like, I think even if, even if someone like you, who's a bit of a sort of purist with your metal, who likes to have stuff that, and that's not a kind of insult or whatever, as someone who likes um, metal to be kind of forward thinking and challenging and all that kind Mm. of stuff, and to actually not just sort of play the same strength over Mm. metal's kind of obvious strengths over and over again, you know, there's no getting away from it. The Bleed From Within do do that. Mm. You know, Mm. Bleed From Within do write those kind of songs. But... They had they were the first band to use Pyro of the weekend, I believe. And Scott is such a great front man. And they're just like, they sounded great. They were, you know, we were talking earlier about other bands that we've seen who weren't that tight. Bleed From Within were like they were fucking on date, like 160 on a on a two-year tour. Well, and well, they played every night. Fair. They were so fucking tight. Mm. They were so tight. Like they were taut as fuck. I think Ali Richardson, their drummer, is a mad good drummer mad good drummer scott is like such a good front man as well like he's a he's a you know he's not a fucking download let's fucking move this shit and blah 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 and all this like like oh give me a roar give me a shout like he's actually like funny and personable Mm. and it's his personality comes out on stage Mm. they were fucking great like bleed from within were fucking great they were one of their like definitely would be in my top 
five or six bands of the entire weekend. Oh, awesome! And you know, I quite like Bleed from Within. You mm. know, what I mean, I do. Mm. I mean, I, I think they're I think they're really good. Like particularly for one of those bands, I think they're really good. Mm. But they're not like I wasn't sit looking at the, the thing and being like, oh my god, Bleed from Within. Like I can't, you know, like as opposed to like, you know. Creeper. It was something. Or, it was something you wanted to see, yeah. but it wasn't like a big something yeah. you. No, I was like looking at. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. I really want to see the Wild Arts. I really want to mm. see Skin Gel. Mm. I really want to see Creeper. Like that sort of thing. Bleed from Within were one of those. Like, oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna make sure I watch Bleed from Within. But they absolutely smashed the fuck out of it, and it was great. Cool. And it uh, really showed up when I walked over to the second stage. I saw a little bit of a band called The Hara, who are some kind of influencer thing, and it was just some fucking like Poundland Youngbloods with his flopping his tits about. It was shit. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> shit. Okay. Go Apparently on. they do like covers or something. I only watched about fucking eight minutes of it. I think Never rubbish. even heard of them. Yeah, or don't. Mm. We won't be covering them again. Mm. We weren't covering them now, really. I was just saying that band of shit. <laughs> um, speaking of things that we're probably not going to cover again, uh, I then watched Wargasm. Mm. Now, Wargasm have 10 songs on Spotify. I say 10 songs. They have nine songs on Spotify and a remix of one of their songs, right? Don't have an album out yet. And I was like, that's weird that a band who don't actually have an album out yet are above a band on the main stage who have one album out who are opening and about to release their second album and a band with like four albums out who have been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. That's weird that a band who don't actually have an album out are that high up on the bill. And as their frontman pointed out uh, during their set, this is actually their first ever UK festival appearance. And it's one, two, three, four, five, sixth from top, like mid, mid, mid afternoon on the main stage of the biggest rock of, of like the UK's sort of premier rock festival. It's a hell of a slot. It's a hell of a slot to hell get of a slot, isn't it? when you've only a got a get. few singles out. Yeah, that's yes, yeah. mad. Now, what I will say is, despite me kind of being like, "Oh, that's weird," I don't really understand that as a booking. The crowd reaction and the size of the crowd—you can't argue with that. They got a massive crowd. Everybody appeared to know one of the. You know, they like I say, they've got nine songs, so they've got they've got essentially they have got enough for an album. They've got like two EPs worth of material. I'm assuming they played all of those songs because most people seem to know what they were playing. Um, apart from the band themselves, didn't really seem that they knew what they were playing. But we'll get onto that in a second. Um, but everybody seemed to be jumping around and being aware of the songs, and uh, and so you can't argue with that. Like they pulled a bigger crowd than Conjurer. They pulled a bigger crowd than Bleed from Within. They got a better reaction than both those bands. Mm -hmm. Ergo, they earned their slot um, where it was. You know, mm -hmm. can't argue. Can't argue with that. They arguably, well, not even arguably. They 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 got a <laughs> they got a better uh, reaction to you know even even a who came who came along later. Well, you know, they got more people better than Cult of Luna. Well, exactly, and they they are um, and. Uh, it certainly would have been on that. So, I mean, if, if Conjurer are like planning to know one, I think Carl Luna would have suffered a similar thing. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, so Wargasm, um, who I didn't know a lot about, to be honest. I just feel, you know, I knew there's a, a lot of hype around them. And I, I don't know anything about them. And I, I, you know, I really didn't know 
anything about them at all, really, other than like you said they were shit the other week. I know Merlin thinks they're good. Um, they were comfortably the worst band I saw all weekend. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a, I mean, obviously that is a disparaging way. I don't mean that in a like, they were the, they wrote the worst songs or they were the worst whatever. But they, they are not ready to play that slot. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care that everyone loved it and that everyone was going mad for it. They aren't ready to play that slot. They looked like the sort of band who would come fourth in a college battle of the bands. Like the two of them at the front look like a sort of shit Deantwerk cover band <laughs> who had just been hold, been like aliens who had never seen instruments before who were handed to them. Like at some point I was thinking, is this some kind of like free jazz? Are they some sort of like free jazz Aphex Twin Square Pusher? Like, like what's going on here? Like I don't think they knew what they were playing. Their guitarist kept dropping his guitar, like not dropping his guitar, like swinging it around or anything, but like the strap kept breaking and it would fall on the floor and he'd just leave and then he'd sort of try and pull it up and they'd just shout. The bassist, everyone says a superstar she is. I mean, it's all well and good looking like a superstar, but when you open your mouth, if what comes out sounds like, like Bonjour coughing up a bit of fucking grass, like I think you're going <laughs> to need a bit more than that. Like it's funny that I mentioned them because I mentioned them on Broken Records last week in relation to the vines, and I was like, I'm glad this shit doesn't happen anymore. I know like a band like Wargasm feel like they've got quite a lot of hype around them, yeah. and yes, Wargasm do not have as much hype around them as the vines do. Did, but they did, yeah, <laughs> did at the time. But um, they're certainly going to go the same way mm. unless they actually learn how to play their music because. Mm. It was a mess. It was, again, Renfrew, objectively, it was an absolute fucking mess. And bands can be a mess for a variety of reasons. Like established bands can have messy, terrible shows that are somehow charming. And, you know, at the drive-in on Jules Holland, mm -hmm. felt like a kind of spit in the face to the man and whatever. And then, you know, they were exhausted and they split up a couple of months later. Mm -hmm. Like we understand the context of why that happened. Mm -hmm. um, there have been Dillinger Escape Plan shows where everything has just fallen to pieces because they have been pushing their body in unison with the music that they make mm. to such an extent that, you know, that everything kind of crumbles apart and they have to kind of piece it all back together. But the, crucially, the Chariot, Dillinger, those kind of bands manage to piece it together. Yep. Idols, Idols are a very, very scrappy live act deliberately by design are as well like d by design um but war but listening to wargasm like having listened to their music on spotify after seeing them the other day wargasm are not trying to be that they just can't play live they're just not very good live they don't they're not in tune their, their instruments and their vocals are totally out of tune they are were completely falling apart. Now, does that mean they're a quote-unquote bad band, a shit band, like who are talentless musicians and aren't very good and yada, 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 yada? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. What it means is the standards of which I would expect a main stage download festival performance are way beyond their capabilities at present. And I think that rankled me a little bit. Because they were a mess. That if they were playing in a pub, 
you'd go, oh yeah, it's a, you know, it's kind of scrappy and there's a bit of potential there, probably whatever. I mean, I didn't particularly like the songs that I heard that much anyway. Like the best song they did was um, "Lap Dancer" the NERD cover at the end. Right. Um, but that's not their song. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they don't appear to have written songs that are very good. They don't appear to be deliberately aiming for that kind of thing. Um, and I just don't really get it, to be perfectly honest. I don't really get how they've got to that point. I mean, you know, maybe they are... I mean, I would say, like, you know, we mentioned Foxjaw and Puppy and going to see them at the Signature Brew, which is not a big festival, you know. that People sat on... they Like, the guys at Signature Brew got a PA and have kind of done their best to put some kind of show together. And it's mm. not a... You know, it's not a quote-unquote proper venue in the same way as like the download main stage is a proper venue and we said like ah oh, you know it was really windy when Foxjaw played and their sound was going everywhere and they were kind of like you could see they were just kind of you could see their brain having to kind of click through the gears while they were playing and stuff and that's fine because they've not played for god knows how long and they were playing like a, 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 a setup stage on a windy day on a Thursday night in a tiny little place mm. in front of 80 people in East London at a brewery yeah. which isn't even a proper venue fine right they were tighter than Wargasm. Mm. Like, considerably tighter than Wargasm. Like, they... they, they, they it, it, I was... I was embarrassed for Wargasm. Like, I thought it was embarrassing. Thoughts? So, <laughs> I mean, so, you so went there, but... why are they there, then? Well, uh, it seems to be... You know, I don't know. I think they've got previous... I mean, haven't they? We were discussing why they're there on the phone the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is this is a mixture of uh individuals who um probably have um connections. I mean they're singer. Connections. I think they're they're singer. Uh the bassist, she is obviously blessed with the fairly good gene pool and people look at that and go she looks like a star i mean we said the same thing about craig nichols from the vines mm -hmm. he was signed on the strength of his personality like the, no one was interested at capital we're not interested in the vines until they met craig nichols and went oh he's wacky isn't he mm. let's sign him and i think she's got a big personality mm -hmm. that's fine that's a good thing to have yeah we like Certainly we like performer. that yeah yeah Certainly as a performer but you know when people say like, oh, you know, Courtney Love and Axl Rose and those people that, you know, you need a big personality. Mm -hmm. You do. You also need some sort of actual musical ability as well, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And that was not in evidence uh, at all for me during Wargasm. I thought it was. Um, but the thing is, loads of people liked it. Loads of people liked it. And I stood down. I was like, I mean, I can't say that people don't like it because people obviously do like it. Um, so, you know, uh, but I don't, I'm not really sure why that is, but yeah, I think they've got, they've got, you know, getting them to that, that place on the stage is, you know, those kind of connections and stuff can help people, but it doesn't explain why everyone was losing their shit in the field. Mm. And I can't really, I've got, you kind of have to go, okay, well, people like it. I don't think it's very good at the moment. I don't think it's very good. And again, like, it, it, again, what we said about the Vines last week, it's not doing anyone any favours. I don't think it's doing them any favours, them being put in that position. No. Because they look, because they look shit. 
Do you know what I mean? They looked out of their, de- they looked massively out of their depth. And we said this about the Vines. The Vines being said that they were the best band in rock and roll or whatever, the, the saviors of rock and roll, just made mu- like 50% of people bought it and the other 50% of people actively despised them for it. Well, the scrutiny and so I don't, was so much higher, wasn't it? Yeah, because yeah. I think like the scrutiny, and, and I, and you know, I, I, I looked at Wargasm and I just thought, you aren't, you are genuinely not capable of. Like it was, it was just rubbish. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, it was just all over the place. Mm. So anyway, I don't know. Like, I feel like I was in, I was definitely in the minority in that field, but it was, it was bad, man. It was bad. Like, it's your first UK festival show. It should have been at like, do you know what I mean? It should have been at some like Swatham fair playing on the third stage before the fucking cow milking competition. This should be your like, this should be your like hundredth, festival show yeah. how many fucking festivals do you think palm reader have done over the years yeah i can only imagine and they've played download they played download once going on first on the third stage mm-hmm. fucking nine years ago yeah and yet this is pumped up to the main stage give me a do, in the words of roy Keane, do me a favor oh come on jamie do me a favor yeah. uh anyway yeah so wargasm just not good enough um a were great though of course they were Always, always great. Um, I made a point of leaving before nothing, which they ended with, <laughs> just to prove a point <laughs> that nothing is like the 17th best A song. <coughs> I don't need to hear it. I've already had a good time. Well, I've got, I love Lake Tahoe, A versus Monkey Kong, or, or Monkey Kong, the song, um, Foghorn, Starbucks, um, all the others. Like, oh. I don't, you know, I'll accept that like, they have other good songs. I think nothing is higher than 17, personally, for me. Shall I name 17 other A songs that I think are better than nothing? <laughs> well, this it's is, got a boring thing to do. This has gone on fairly long as it is, and we're yeah. only halfway through, were, so maybe not. <laughs> a, a were fucking great. Don't worry, I didn't really watch many people after this. Event. Um, a were fucking great. Really, really great. Uh, I saw a little bit of Twin Atlantic, who was slightly disappointing, actually. They, did, they played Heart and Soul, but they didn't. Sound great, unfortunately. Again, more of that later on. Um, While She Sleeps put in like a career-defining performance. Seen a lot of things saying that it was one of the best performances of the weekend, if not yeah, the absolutely. best. It, I mean, a lot of people would say it's the best. I think there was something that came afterwards that would just pip it for me. Okay. But While She Sleeps were fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really good. The new song sounded amazing. When they went into Brainwashed and Four Walls from that Brainwashed, I mean, that is their peak period for me still, I think. Mm. Like, those songs are fucking amazing. And they just... The sound was great. They sounded massive. They were fucking fantastic. The best set of the weekend was Creeper, who Ah. were brilliant. Absolutely fucking brilliant. And really, like, emotional. Like, Will and Ian both broke down on stage in the middle of misery. Like, both just started crying. Hannah came out in a wedding dress during crickets and sang that. It was, like, great. Um, The songs from the new record sounded fucking fantastic. Like, Cyanide. Mm -hmm. Ended with Annabelle with a load of like nice. sparklers going off and stuff. It was really, 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 oh, really cool. brilliant. Um, do you want to hear about Enid Shikari? I want to hear a little bit. what you think. I Like, okay, so Enid Shikari, as discussed on this podcast before, are a band that I am not a fan of at all. Mm. Although they made sense to me as a 
download festival headliner. Yes. Right. Now, I didn't watch the entirety of Intersecure set because it was raining a bit, so I kind of went off. I saw they th- there was loads of confetti cannons and loads of like streamers being shot out everywhere, and the light show looked really good. And to be fair to Intersecure, fuck me. I need, when I think back to shit like System of a Down headlining the main stage at Download and looking like they were fucking working a, a night, sh- a Saturday night night shift at KFC in Brixton <laughs> and not giving a fuck about what was going on. Yeah. Fair play to Enter Shikari for looking like the happiest four men on the face of planet Earth yeah. to be headlining a festival. Yeah. I mean, look. And they've worked their ass off for it as well. They have so. worked their fucking ass off and they are a... They are, to give them their credit, they are a very good live band. This thing about Inter being the best live band in the world, definitely not. Like, not even, not close. Not even, not even, not even close. Like, nowhere near. I, I, I cannot does understand anyone, how does someone will say that. I yeah, everyone's always saying, say yeah, like people are, oh, they are the best. Like, wait till you see them live. They're the best live band. I don't think they are, personally. I think they're, I think they're very, like, very good. They're, they're, they're very good. And there's yeah. a kind of, they bring a sort of, they were bringing a kind of euphoria to it. I've yeah. never really watched Shikari before. And it's sort of the most I watched them. And I, I went back to songs actually like yesterday, having seen a bit of them, I went back to songs like The Last Garrison, oh. um, uh, Dreamers Hotel and um, Live Outside, which they ended with, which on all of them, I was like, oh yeah, you know, these songs are good. Yeah. And I think they're much better when they do. Like for me personally, what I found watching Shikari, there were moments where I was like, this is really good. This is just a really good poppy rock song, like a really good kind of electro poppy rock song. And, it, and they're, they're very, very good at that. And I like those songs. I don't like it when they try and be a bit too clever. I mean, there was a little bit too much... I mean, I said Ollie Murs fronting Sleaford Mods. You did say that to me. Yeah. There's a little bit like where I was like, it's a bit Ollie Murs fronting Sleaford Mods for me. It's a bit, you know, when they went kind of wob wob, oh, the government are rubbish, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that was, that was a bit like grating, to be honest. Like I wasn't that particularly that keen on that. It's, but... it's interesting with then to Shikari's politics because sometimes I think they word it really well like a song like um, Anethetist, I think is a really good political statement. And sometimes, I will agree, sometimes it feels a bit cack-handed. But yeah, okay. Mm. It was, yeah, it was a bit like, you know, Chaz and Dave via Rage Against the Machine via the streets sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that does sound like a fascinating show to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I mean, uh, to be fair, like, that's not really that much of an insult, but I was like, fuck me, <laughs> Sleaford cool. Mods, like, the bullseye was Sleaford Mods fronted by Ollie Murs. I was like, that is, <laughs> like, there, that is, that is what that is. Um, but that's not a bad, but you know, but they were good. Like, you know, they, they kind of had won me over by the end. Well, even that's in the rain. That's good. Cause it's, yeah. uh, you know, I it's mean, taken a while, but this sounds yeah, like, I, I, been I, I don't, I don't really want to listen to their music. Yeah, that's fair and, enough. and I do think like, I don't know as someone who listens to a lot of electronic music, yeah. I don't think they know how to make good electronic music. I think they know how to make good pop rock bangers i think they know how to make good electronic music in a retro styley i don't think they're on the forefront of electronic music what, like rhythm of the night by corona <laughs> well to a degree yes um and I then mean, they've, ne- they've never written a song <laughs> that can exist in the same stratosphere <laughs> okay. as that to be perfectly that, that style and then they can take that style 
um, marry it to heavy guitars. And that has created, you know, in some cases, some really interesting stuff. In some cases, not so much as well. But again, we were just talking about how Metallica are a band who are willing to experiment and willing to, you know, do all these collaborations and stuff like that. And I see the same sort of, obviously it's a much smaller scale, but I see the same sort of um, desire to collaborate and desire to experiment in Shikari as well. And just like Metallica, Shikari fail sometimes, but they also succeed several times as well. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I think long-term listeners know that I have a huge amount of admiration for Shikari mm. at the very least. And and just hearing that you can now sort of go, well, look, I accept this is a good show. I don't want to listen to them, but I can, you know, I think that is, that's the most I could ever ask for, I think. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm probably not going to spend much time ever listening to their music. And I don't know if I could sit through an entire set of it, but I don't listen. I don't, good. I don't listen i mean this is a very different example but i i don't listen to much of alter bridge's music but when when i see them live i i think they are a very good live act at what they do in a totally different way to shikari but they're very professional and very on top you know so yeah yeah all right good um yeah so i i actually thought shikari were were, were pretty good good um on sunday i let's just go to the best ones really employed to serve were wicked played a new song Got Andy Gillen from Palm Reader out on stage with him at the end, nice. uh, and he played a song. Refused to wear black, the shit. Um, <laughs> uh, but that was that was really good. Like Justine was on fine form, so was Sammy. Somebody flipped the Sammy the bird in front of me. Some woman flipped Sammy the bird, and he was like, "This side, the side I was on, you're being fucking shit." He was like, "This side over there, you're having a good time. You you fuckers need to wake up." And this woman took that really personally, personally. <laughs> yeah, and i was like you sad fuck but anyway <laughs> um i'm I seeing fucking... i'm seeing justine and sammy tonight so i'll um i'll, I'll remind them of that that'll be fun yeah poor loathe one of the, the band i felt most sorry for of oh, the no. entire weekend was loathe because i really felt like that loathe pulled a massive fucking crowd everyone was psyched for him and I was really excited to hear those songs. So I was like, here's a band that I like. Mm. You know, we've talked about Conjurer and Employed. Like Employed to Serve actually have got songs like, you know, The Party's Over and, um, uh, you know, I, I Spend My Days mm -hmm. and Eternal Forward Motion. Like they've now got songs that sound like they can be pulled off on those bigger stages. So that was that was good. Do you know what I mean? That was good yeah, to hear. Yeah. But Loathe, I thought, are kind of made for those big stages. And I thought, this is this is the ideal time for Loathe to fucking smash it, right? Their sound was fucking disastrous. Oh, it's really, really annoying. And not disastrous as in it was constantly rubbish or I couldn't. Like, the drums and the bass were way too high. And the guitars kind of flitted in and out. Half the first half of the set just drowned Kadeem's voice out completely, which is really annoying. Oh. I thought they picked a really, really great set. They played a bit of that stuff from the last album cool. we were talking about oh, live, cool. which nice. I thought like some people were just stood there like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "Oh, this is amazing. That's wicked. They're actually fucking playing this shit." Like yeah. they and like to be fucking blunt about it, they they were one of the coolest looking bands on the whole fucking bill. Yeah. Yeah. It just looked. Fuck, they just looked like they belong there. Sound wasn't great to begin with. And then it kind of got a bit better and then it kind of got a bit worse. During Two-Way Mirror, right at the end, everyone's fucking waiting for this song. After the first chorus, everything cut out apart from Kadeem's mic. And he had to stand there on his own and make everyone do a kind of acapella version of it. 
and they tried to sort it out and they couldn't and then he just had to walk off. Now, I know oh, the guys man. in Lothe are gutted about that. I know they are because yeah. I spoke to a couple of them afterwards and I know they're like really fucking gutted that that happened. And I can completely understand why they're gutted about it. But what I would say is this, is they showed enough in the way that they looked, the way they behaved, the way they performed and the songs that they have to show that they belong on that stage. They got fucked over this time. Yeah. So first go at it. And I think they need to use that as fuel to make sure, like obviously they can't guarantee that won't happen again. Yeah. Because yeah. it's at the fucking mercy of whoever the, you know, the, mm. the sound and the festival and all, and all that. Just very, very unfortunate. But I think they'll come back and be so fired up to do it again. Mm. And I hope they are because they could have been like one of the highlights of the weekend and they got shafted basically. Oh, so shame. Sucked. Yeah, really sucked. Okay. Um, but it's not like, it's not the end of the world. Like worse things have happened to bands that have gone on to do bigger things. You know? it'll, be, yeah, it'll be definitely, fine. Definitely. It's, 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 a stum it's a stumbling block, but it's not a, you know serious then, then I had to go and do some interviews so I missed Jamie Lenman which I was really ah. pissed off about annoyingly I did finish just in time to see a little bit of Alvana and like <laughs> d like fuck off like absolutely <laughs> fuck off like whoever booked that should be fired like fuck off like the guy the guy's dressed as Elvis right yeah they're all dressed as an Elvis band they're just playing Nirvana you're not singing it like Elvis Oh. I thought it was going to be Elvis fronting Nirvana. I thought it was going to be a guy as Kurt, a guy as Dave and a guy as Chris and Elvis. And he was going to be like, Lord of bring your friends. <laughs> but he didn't. It was just Elvis and five blokes dressed as like Vegas people playing Nirvana songs straight. Oh, that's crap. Fuck off. Yeah, that's rubbish. Absolute. Like even your, your, your shit gimmick band haven't even made... The most out of the shit gimmick you've ever <laughs> Like, I honestly hope you die. <laughs> oh, a little OTT, but sure. Like, fucking Kurt and Elvis in a tombola being spun <laughs> at a billion miles an hour together. Their rotting carcasses being absolutely span round. Excellent. Like, Elvana... Elvana, I, 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 I couldn't hate you more. Would you rather be stuck in a room, stuck in a lift with Elvana or Ailstorm? Well, I'd rather be stuck in a lift with Elvana, but I think I'd almost amazingly, I think I respect Ailstorm more because at least they have the fucking bottle to write their own song. They're not fucking, you know, they've Elstorm got the bottle of going, rum to write their own song. At least songs. they're not going, ha, we've dressed as a as a pirate and now we're going to play British Steel in full by <laughs> Judas Priest and ruin that. Like and you've at least their their gimmick is consistent. Yeah. Like it is. Elvana it is. don't ha they don't even follow through with their own pathetic gimmick you've come up with literally a pathetic embarrassing awful gimmick and you can't even be bothered to do the thing that your gimmick's meant to do you fucking waste of space <laughs> what a fucking waste of space you are because because you're maybe the biggest waste of space band in history because you're just talking to me this really does feel like you're saying this to me which is quite upsetting <laughs> i have to say but that's fine um well okay not impressed by alvana that's such a shame 
I was really expecting yeah. top things from your above review. Above loathe. Do you know what I mean? Above I loathe. Yeah. Well, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's the annoying thing. I mean, I kind of did sort of mention that a couple of weeks ago. It's like, this is an opportunity for these bands. And like, you know, there are so many brilliant, brilliant, like British heavy bands that could have been in that place but you know crowd did the crowd like it were they bored were they the crowd excited? did like it like mm, weirdly the crowd the did like it but they also like wargasm so i'm not trusting their <laughs> fucking opinion to be perfectly honest uh the wild hearts gave up after about 20 minutes i heard about this was so bad that's such a shame yeah 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 it is they kind of like they kind of threw their toys out the pr- i mean they look, look, look they didn't sound great mm. it didn't sound great there's no getting away from it. It sounded pretty bum. Uh, but I think walking off stage was a bit much, personally. Oh, okay. I think they should. But then they don't need to be there, do they, the Wild Arts? No. They don't need, like, they don't, they've played this place a load of times. They don't need to, you don't need, you know, it's, it's not a, I mean, it probably is a quite a special thing for them. And they obviously were fucked off because it was a big deal. But they didn't need to, they didn't need to be there. But it's a shame because, you know, like, we missed a, what I'd, I would imagine would have been a very kind of hit filled. Yeah. second half of the set even the first half you know they did like caffeine bomb vanilla radio Ooh, nice. uh um sick of drugs like you know okay. they're, and they're a fucking great band you yeah know what i mean they're a yeah. fucking great band mm. um and there's a bunch you know obviously whenever 40 minutes of wild arts you're never going to hear all the songs you want to hear anyway but nope. yeah bummer Okay. So 20 minutes, you definitely aren't. Uh, skin Dread was Skin Dread. Mm-hmm. Again, probably got the, well, I'd say one of the biggest, I don't really know what to say about Skin Dread because they are literally exactly the same every time you ever see them. Yeah. But that exactly the same is amazing. Yeah, they're great fun. Absolutely amazing. Like mm-hmm. so, 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 so great. What to say about Skin Dread? They're just fucking awesome. Like they're one of the most, consistently brilliant live bands on the face of planet earth and they put on they have been putting on the same show for at least a decade they have and it never gets boring i have never been bored i have never felt any differently about any skin dread show i've ever been to i've always just had the best time and i have to say having not seen them for 18 months which is probably the longest i've ever been without seeing skin dread since about 2001 right <laughs> like i was like god i've forgotten how much i missed this this particular set okay. the same set that they do pretty much every time they ever play uh but the whole thing about like oh skin dread they play all the time and oh they just do the same thing and oh yeah they're like doesn't matter as benji webb himself says you never leave disappoint. You never leave surprised, and you'll never leave disappointed. And that is Skindred. Like they'll play Bloodstock, and they'll do the same thing, and they'll be one of the highlights of the weekend because every show they do is just the best, fucking most amazing amount of fun. The end. Yeah. So great. I mean, no? well, yeah, I wouldn't mind them changing up a bit, but but I will admit that their show is fun. I mean, I wouldn't say I've never gone away from a Skindred show not disappointed. Really. Hmm. But that's more down to them being like, that was very similar to what I saw six months ago, or that was, or that was very similar to what I saw two years ago, or that was very similar to what I saw six years ago, and you know, I just tire of that quicker than you by the sounds of things. Well, I can't imagine it. Uh, yeah. Weird. Um, you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, it, like it makes sense with the things that I like. I mean, Pearl Jam, my favourite band ever, and a large part of the reason for that is because they change their set every single night, so it sort of fits with 
brand Renfrey. But would you want Skindred <laughs> to go, we're not going to play Warning today. We're going to end with something else. We're going to end with like the fear or something. I'd be curious. I, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. From Skindred, personally. Okay. Well, you won't. Well, <laughs> I, I, I won't. No, you. I know, I know I no, won't. And that's won't. fine. But, you know, I, yeah. I'd like to do something. My vote is do the same thing. <laughs> forever and to be uh, fair I'm that's what that's that. what most people want so they'll continue to yeah. do that that's fine. Uh, i saw a little bit of frank turner and like you know i again i'm not going to pretend like i'm a huge frank turner fan or anything at all but um he had a really massive crowd he had a really raucous reaction that's, that's cool. like to be fair most of the bands did he did a great speech about the kind of inclusivity of the metal scene and how much he missed everyone and he felt like like most people there over the weekend when they spoke to the crowd did genuinely feel like they were like oh my god this is amazing um frank turner kind of more than most yeah i would say i think that's something that i really like about him he does come across incredibly well on stage and he does have that kind of way of making you feel like you're in a far smaller room than you actually are that sort of charisma he was really good and i saw two bullet for my valentine songs as well (laughs) So that was download. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have said the second, uh, oh, the second half of Bullet set was amazing. I wouldn't know. Well, I would because it wasn't. Even I wasn't there. Didn't see it. Didn't need to. It wasn't. You're all wrong. Um, anyway, good. Uh, I have to say, the last person I bumped into in a weird case of serendipity at this download pilot, the last person I bumped into. As I was leaving during Bullet Set, he came walking around the corner. Was Andy Coppin, mm. and I actually got a little bit sort of quivery in the lips when I spoke to Andy Coppin mm. because I have to say, overall, Renfrey, I've just reviewed all the bands in a sort of professional manner, but this is maybe the best download I've ever been to. Wow! Wow! That's awesome. It was a genuinely beautiful life affirming amazing weekend like the weather kind of held up the weather was pretty bad on friday rained a little bit on saturday afternoon during shikari on saturday evening during shikari they said it was going to rain on sunday loads and it it rained a little bit and then the sun came out just before skin dread which was amazing you know and there's people that i haven't seen for fucking ages i mean i could reel off all the people that I saw over the weekend, but I'd be here for fucking ages. Yeah. Literally people I haven't seen for ages. And you forget like how much you miss live music, but also how much you miss like hanging out with people yeah. and talking to people yeah, about yeah, yeah. music. You feel like that as well. And it is a huge, pathetic, ludicrous cliche in my mind sometimes where they're like, oh, you know, the, re- the community of music and blah, blah, blah. But even though I normally kind of roll my eyes and sneer and I'm really cynical about that, this weekend, that really existed. It genuinely really existed. And it was one of those things where you go, fucking hell. People say, like, you don't know what you've missed until you've lost it. Yeah. I think you don't know what you've missed until you've lost it and then got it back. Mm. And there were a few times over the weekend where I remember when I was a kid and when a band were playing their last song, I would stare for about 20, 30 seconds at each individual member of the band because I was like, I want to soak this moment up. I want to remember exactly what every single member of this band looks like. I want to store it away and I want it to feel good 
in my mind and I want it to be something that I can look back on and be like, oh, I was so, do you remember that? And he did that and he did this. And that's why like when I get kind of talking, oh, I saw System at the story and I remember Darren doing that or when I saw mm. Corn the first time the thing, or when I saw Machine Head or when I saw fucking U2 for the first time or when I saw like whoever, right? Mm. Um, and I've stopped doing that for years, like well over a decade well over a decade I don't do that anymore because I've got used to going to gigs so much in my 20s and my 30s and uh, and then last year it just fucking stopped and this weekend there were moments where I was like look at Loz from While She Sleeps look at Sean look at Matt look at every member of that band look at Will look at Ian look at Sean look at Hannah like look at every member of Creep like look at them and see what they're doing and actually fucking engage in them and I have missed being stood around and having someone I haven't seen for ages tap me on the shoulder and be like, ah, and start singing like Cyanide by Creeper when they started mm -hmm. playing it. Mm -hmm. It was, it honestly, like the start of this year, like most people, I'm sure like a lot of you listening, I was fucking miserable. I was so miserable. I was so unhappy. I hated like January, February going into March. Couldn't go out. I couldn't even go and get a coffee from down the road. Like nothing was open. It was raining. You know, I was, didn't have much work to do. We're doing this and that's it. I speak to you. I mean, that's not going to cheer anyone up, is it? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and it's been fucking so shit and so miserable. And it's only when you go to something like this. Like, I know people go, oh, you work in the music industry. It must be amazing. It's like, it's amazing. But when all the amazing things get taken away, it's actually not that amazing. Mm. It actually kind of stops being amazing. It just starts being a job. And this has started really feeling like a job over the last like year and a bit or whatever. Like it feels like a real, like not like I don't enjoy doing a podcast with you or like I don't enjoy writing for Hammer or whatever. But th some of those things are quite stressful, right? You know. Yeah. So some of the they, some they of the, are, right? some of the perks have been taken away, and I th or, or had been taken away, and I think as a result of that, yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I think I, I would say the same. Uh, you know, only sometimes it's been hit and miss, as it has been for everyone in all of their jobs, whatever it is. I'm sure everyone's got a little bit more fed up with their job, for the most part. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So to get that back, I mean, I think like that this download pilot is. Is a like I said at the start is is a historic event. It's a historic thing, and all everyone who was there is part of like legit history. And I think like I did, I saw Andy Coppin. I was like, I really, really want to say thank you to like we've moaned about the bill, we've moaned a little no. bit about this bill. Yeah, we've moaned about the bill loads of times. We've moaned about downloading the way it's put together, but that smaller, tighter, more compact thing. The atmosphere felt better. Everyone was so much happier. And everyone was so much like more just sort of stoked to be there and in a good mood. Like everyone was in such a fucking good mood. And it was a, and they, they, I think they've, they've, every one of us that was there and those 10,000 people, I don't think you will forget that weekend hmm. because I think it was like, it was such a fucking amazingly beautiful thing. Even when I was watching bands that I don't like, I don't really want to shit on any of the bands. I thought. Even the bands I thought, like, apart from, apart from Elvano, I really did slag off <laughs> and I didn't really get Wargasm. But um, I don't even really want to kind of totally shit on them because I bet they had the best fucking time. And I'm sure mm. like they fucking, as individuals, as human beings, I've got nothing against them as human beings. I'm sure they needed that weekend and I'm sure they fucking loved it. And I'm sure everybody who went like, They've done something really amazing, I think, not just for the science and not just for the, you know, the 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 feel of 
you know, just for getting a feel of like what we can do moving forward as a society, like that's really important. But for the 10,000 people that was there, that were there, they've done, I think they've, they've done something which is really, really essential to help those people because I have come out of that festival and I feel fucking great. I felt, I felt fucking so miserable, like so fucking miserable over the last, like at points during the last, you know, probably up to sort of, particularly up to like by about April time. It is hard, man. It's been really fucking hard. And I've not felt this much like myself. Th th this weekend, it was like, oh my God, I actually feel normal again. And it was fucking amazing. And I'm sure I'm not the only person to feel like that. So I, that's, that's wonderful, man. I'm really, like, mm. I'm actually really glad that you've been able to express that on this show as well. Because as you pointed out, you know, we have actually been probably in some respects, maybe even more critical of this download build than we sh should have been, you know, forgetting the fact that, well, wait a minute, we're really lucky to be getting this scheme in the first place. And the fact, you know, yes, it's a test and everyone knows that it's basically um, an opportunity, you know, putting it cynically, the 10,000 of you that were there were guinea pigs in a way, but stuff like that needs to happen in order for us to progress and the fact that download were one of the people to get the opportunity to do that that's actually quite a cool thing that a metal festival in this country did manage to to do that and be the first one so that's certainly something which we probably haven't expressed um enough on this show and i'm really glad you've just redressed the balance a little bit there um what i'm curious to know do you think and this is all going to be conjecture i'm sure but do you think this appears, Download Pilot appears to have been a resounding success, certainly going from um, the reaction to it, um, because you're not the only person, like everyone's been saying that they had an absolutely amazing weekend. Do you think that means that there is um, room for Download to do a sort of smaller sister festival that runs alongside Download? Well, this is something that got brought up a bit and I was like, well, you know, yeah, it's called 2000 Trees. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's called Arc Tangent or it's called Bloodstock, depending on what your favourite yeah, thing of yeah, those yeah. three, but all, three but all three, types of music But all are. three of those festivals do that thing very well. Yes. For they that, do. They and that's why I think, really and well. that's why I think, you know, that would then be, we'd then be getting into download versus Sonosphere territory. Yeah. Again, well, we? yeah, no, very good point. Um, yeah. What I personally think is, and I said this a few times, I cannot wait. We've been wonder, worrying about the, you know, the, the the destruction of like the festival headlining pool for years and years and years. Personally, I cannot wait now until people fucking give up on this ridiculous idea of how big a festival headliner needs to be and just accept that download can be 30,000, 40,000 people. 25, 30,000 people and can be headlined by Parkway Drive mm -hmm. and can be headlined by Enter Shikari and can even be headlined by someone like, I don't know, a day to remember. And if 100,000 people don't turn up, who fucking who cares? Fucking cares yeah. Who fucking cares? Everyone Doesn't that was matter. there that weekend, 
right? There were a lot of people who obviously I looked at and I was like, you look like sort of typical download punter, mm. but were still watching every single band. Mm. And there wasn't a lot for those people, you know, there's stuff like them damn crows and mm. stone broken and I guess the wild hearts and stuff like that. And there, but there, there was not a lot of the kind of classic rock mm. stuff that download has really leaned in quite heavily on over the last few years or whatever, mm. or the sort of old school metal thing. There's no iron maiden or kiss or mm. Def leopard or white snake or any of that stuff that they, they have. Right. It was all kind of, it's all young British bands. And I, I mean, the lineup that we kind of went oh, about, like we are, well, it could be better. The fact that it could have been better, but it was still great. Mm. I mean, mm. that says a hell of a lot yeah. about how good our music scene is at the moment, yeah. right? Yeah, that says true. a hell of a lot about how good the British rock scene is at the moment. And so then, you know, so Creeper aren't as big as Billie Eilish. Who fucking cares? Mm. Like downsize it. Like I am, I cannot wait for the fucking Ice Age to come. Mm. I, I'm now pro like, yeah, small download. Fucking great. Like, let them all fucking, let them all die. Let Maiden and, you know, Sabbath are gone, Motorhead are gone, Slayer are gone. Mm. Um, a Kiss will hopefully be gone at some point. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, get rid of them all. Like, yeah. get get rid of all of them. Because all they do is bring, like, someone like Guns N' Roses, for example. Now, again, I don't want to shit on download. Like, I can understand why they booked Guns N' Roses. But you look at that main stage lineup the day that Guns N' Roses played in 2017, I want to say. 2017, right? You look at that main stage lineup, utterly, utterly Off. uninspiring. Yeah. Like, utterly uninspiring. And what it meant was, it was a bunch of fucking old people who bought Appetite for Destruction and or Lose Your Illusion in 1991 and haven't bought any music since, sitting through a load of old bum waiting for Guns N' Roses. That's not a good festival. That's a Guns N' Roses gig. Exactly. Fuck it off. Well, it also... Get rid of them. It also reinstates the um, falsehood that a lot of those people would have that modern new music isn't any good it's like yeah it's because you're putting shit new bands in front of them but um, of course download had to do that because to be to be honest guns N' roses fee would be so extraordinary yeah, astronomical yeah, yeah that yeah the rest of the rest of the lineup's gonna have to suffer as a result and you know i i, I get that but but yeah i mean i think anyone who has been listening to my sort of critics uh critiques of um festivals over the last 10 years or so will probably have realized that I am a big fan of the smaller festival, the festival where you feel like you're far more a part of it, where it feels like people are happier generally, where it tends to feel like there's less dicks. And it feels like that part of that attitude was there in this downloaded pileup because people were just so fucking excited to be back at music, uh, back, back at live events. But I, I reckon a part of it would have been down to the smaller scale as well. I, I think both factors would have played into it. I'm guessing. Definitely. I mean, it was so much easier to walk between stages. Yeah. Because you know, like the the ground never got muddy. Where you know you walk through it, it'd be like a quagmire, yeah. just like pissing, raining, mud everywhere. Like it never it never got like that. The, the ground stayed a bit muddy. It was quite muddy yeah. around the sort of front of the main stage and stuff. But it wasn't like awful. Because you've no, only I'm got a, trainers. Like, you've only got a tenth of the people drapesing around it. Yeah. 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 And and I wore you know I I wore trainers on the last day. Like yeah. I was like oh it should be fine. Yeah. And you know and it was and it was absolutely fine. And I honestly think yeah. Uh, will Kiss, you know, like will Will Kiss pull in more people than um, Frank Turner? Yeah, obviously they yeah. will. Or will or I, you know, let fucking Idols headline. Like let you know get get those get those younger bands and get them to fucking headline. And so what? Like a hundred thousand people don't turn up. Don't fucking book for it. Don't don't worry about it. It would like it, Park it would... Idols Parkway, Idols Parkway Drive, and Shikari as. 2023 headliners 
and only 40,000 tickets are sold. Well, it's not going to cost you as much money to book them yep. as it would do for Guns N' Roses, Kiss and Iron Maiden. It'll cost, you, you, it'll to... cost you less to have those three headliners than to just have Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Buy and so, you know, this is obviously like, oh, you don't spend as much and you don't have to. And I, I get they want to kind of maximise the potential of yeah. like, yeah, we, yeah. Want, we want 80,000 people turning up. But those bands are going to be gone soon. So maybe like start planning for the future a little bit now. And that idea of like, no, they need, ghosts need to do another three albums and be able to headline. Well, they're not going to do that until they get their fucking shot, are they? You need to put them on, you need to put them on now. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've, this is totally like, I, even I, as someone who's like, people need to reevaluate what a festival headliner is. I have, even I have now gone, well, I'm going to totally reevaluate it again if Ghosts are playing Wembley, they're big enough to headline. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, they should be. Yeah, yeah. And if Ghosts are big enough to headline, those bands that headline in Bloodstock, I, I, I now think, well, most of them probably big enough to headline download. Yeah. Rob Zombie, let him fucking headline down. If Rob Zombie headline download, he gets loads of people coming to watch him at the second on the second yeah, stage. He does. Let him fucking headline the main stage. It'd be funny, wouldn't it? You know, it wouldn't be as many people overall. But it would still be, I think it would still be like a great I think it'd be, Friday night headline. I think it'd be a great show. Like Rob Zombie is always very entertaining at the very least live. And Download is a perfect crowd for him. Let him fucking headline. It'd be great. Yeah, I, I, am, I am now like, fuck it guys, 35,000 people. That's fine. Yeah. It's totally fun, it, and and it, and it makes sense because rock music isn't big. It would also you know I mean? it would also mean that the massive massive acts like your Metallicas and your Guns N' Roses and stuff like that, it would mean that they would do more arena dates and stadium dates. So there would probably be as much opportunity to see those bands, but you could see them at their own show. I mean, the downside to that to the patron is it would probably you'd probably be spending more money to see everyone that you wanted to see, but you'd be seeing them at their own show and they're in their own decent conditions with full set and, lists and all that and shit. And that's what know? they want to do as well, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, like exactly. Guns N' Roses want to do the Olympic Stadium. Metallica yeah. want to do Twickenham. Yeah. You know, Iron Maiden or like Ramstein want to do Stadium NK. Like they, they, that, that, that's what these fucking well, bands want to do. Like those big bands want to go and play they don't, probably don't really want to play festivals anymore. ACDC don't want to play well, festivals. Like, fuck them off. Big bands like that certainly want to have as much control over their own show as they possibly can. And just by its very nature of being a, a festival outdoors, you you have far less control in those conditions. Metallica can't do their amazing in-the-round snake pit setup at a festival. I mean, they, they have had snake pits at festivals, haven't they? But they can't do it, you know, when it's in the round, when everyone, ha everyone has an amazing seat in the house and all that shit. You know, that stuff's like properly fucking special to me. And it very rarely feels special to me. <sighs> loads of people say it's really special because loads of people were there. But if you're actually there and you're fucking 80,000 people deep and I don't know, Corey Taylor is literally about five millimeters tall in your vision, it's just not going to feel that special <laughs> compared to an arena show i don't care i don't care if you know a few thousand people say it was mm. it's just not i mean they've struggled like. to get green day they're not you know they've, they've never got green day or pearl jam or blink 182 or the foo fighters or any of those bands that they've talked about they're, they're getting before right those bands obviously don't want to do it foo mm. fighters are going to do red until now to the end of the, uh, to the end of time mm. blink 182 i mean mark hopper we should say mark hoppers i'm not a blink fan but fucking get well soon mark hoppers because he's got cancer and i think that's obviously something which is a really really horrible thing so there's nothing fucking funny that i'm gonna say about blink 182 i hope mark hoppers is 
Okay. I'm really glad um, you said that. My sphincter tightened ever so slightly when you brought that up. I was like, yeah, no, 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 I mean, that yeah, funny. yeah. No, mate, that, that shit's not funny. Like, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Get so. well soon, Mark um, Hoppus. Like, get well soon, Mark yeah. Hoppus. Yeah. And um, no one fucking deserves that shit. Trust me. And um, yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, Blink haven't done it. Muse did it once and, you know, it was whatever. Like Biffy seemed to be one of the only, one of the few bands that are willing to kind of do it. Mm. So, and I think Biffy kind of would carry on doing it. I think Slipknot would carry on doing it. I think now and again, you could go, hey, here's one really big headliner. Yeah. Maybe 40,000, 50,000 people turn up for the weekend or they only go for one, you know, maybe they just turn up for one day and it's quieter on the other days. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, we're prepared for that. Build to your massive headliner. Like either have them on the Sunday or have them on the Saturday even, um, you know, um, so then you have an opportunity like the the hardcore can stay for the Sunday and those who are like oh, I've got work can can go home if they want to. That's <laughs> quite, that's but that's it's quite cool to be able to offer that you know like there's all sorts mm. of things that can be done to shake it up. But you know let's face it, festivals in this country haven't really been shaken up for several no. years. I mean this and pandemic's the first thing that's come along that's shake shake them up. It has, and I think it might be a good thing. And I tell you what, I mentioned this to, to Andy I hope he doesn't mind me saying this but I mentioned this to Andy and I was like this is the fucking way forward right mate and he was like I think maybe it is so I think I hope oh. a kind of light bulb I feel like a light a light bulb moment I hope has gone off in everyone's head where we're like yeah do you know what actually like fuck pandering to these big bands mm. fuck like sucking up to these big bands and trying to get like as much as we can out of these massive bands I don't think you need to do it yeah. I honestly don't I think this weekend has been proof that People just want to go to download. Mm. Mm. Nobody's big, like ACDC can say what they want, but nobody's bigger than that festival. Like that people talk about the download family and that. And I'm always like, oh, you know, it's a bit cheesy, whatever. But in a lot of ways, it's true because people, there were people there who did not look like they were Creeper or Enter Shikari or While She Sleeps fans, but they were still sat with their chairs just wanting to be at download watching yeah. music. Yeah. So don't fucking let those people push you around. You're the fucking biggest rock festival and the the oldest, biggest, like most important rock festival that Britain has. Hmm. So don't fucking, you know, don't let fucking Pearl Jam tell you what to do. <laughs> I don't think Pearl Jam are telling them what to do. I just don't think like, they want to play it. You shouldn't, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, fair. Oh, fuck them then. Fuck them if they don't want to play it. Don't play it. There's plenty of fucking rock bands that love to play it. Yeah. And I and think to you know, be honest, as a Pearl Jam fan, I'd rather see them at their own show anyway. So exactly. Everyone's a winner. Yeah. Apart from people who don't like Pearl Jam. Uh, well, they're AKA fucking... Adam, AKA <laughs> Adam, Adam Valley. Valley. <laughs> well, they're losers anyway. Yeah. Adam Valley, <laughs> not the one from the arm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, look, fuck me. This has gone on a long time and we haven't even started. We, the reviews yet, <laughs> we usually finish around this time and now we're just starting some reviews and I'd say three of them. There's a lot to talk about. It's <laughs> quite a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it then. Eamon Ra de Dawn, the seventh album from the Belgian Kings of Post Metal, the follow-up to 2017's Mass 6. Uh, this album from Eamon Ra marks a few things. It is the first album without their uh, long-term member, Levi Sineev. Is that how you say it? I'm not even sure. I'm not sure, but... Um, say Nave. I'm happy to go with that. Okay. Uh, it's also written... Um, sort of, it was confusing what this album is about, but basically to mark the anniversary of the end of the First World War, uh, there is something that happens in Belgium, um, and this is written as a kind of... Uh, to mark that event, I think. So it's essentially, essentially it's an album about loss. Which, to be fair, 
all of Armin Ra's albums are. But yes. I was going to say, which is, which is very Armin Ra. Yeah. Uh, Armin Ra, a band that have an incredibly strong identity. I think in a scene which is quite difficult to have an identity when basically Neurosis have done everything that you want to do. And they have a, a very strong visual and musical sense of themselves, Eamon Ra. It's probably the, the the nicest thing I'll say about them, which has turned them into a, a cult band. People legitimately fucking adore Armin Ra. They are definitely really, really great. I just should say as well, Caro from Oathbreaker is in the band at this point now sort of full-time which is ideal they don't she's in it full-time i i didn't realize that yeah. i know she guests on this album but i i didn't realize she's in the band she's, now. she's in the band oh, now cool. uh bringing some very different shades to what um armin ra have previously done in the past i think yes yes definitely i think so as well um i've always liked armin ra i think i would agree with you they've created a really vivid um world and aesthetic that encompasses many different forms of art. Um, I think mm -hmm. if you go and see them live, the visuals are as important as the music. Um, in, I mean, you could even at sometimes you could even argue more. So I would say I've seen them a few times live now, and it's certainly a very very impressive show. Uh, show, I mean, show definitely feels like the wrong word, but it's an impressive environment definitely to be in. I think. Um, it's a really desolate, bleak aesthetic that they uh, it is as impressive as it is oppressive, I would say. One thing I will say, though, um, you've already mentioned the cult-like following that Armin Ra have. And I've never fully understood the sheer adulation that Armin Ra have. I will be honest. And I, I say that as someone who's done quite a bit of press for them, I actually... I actually streamed the last album, Mass 6, on The Independent before it came out um, and did an interview with Colin and all this sort of... In fact, he wrote an amazing essay for us. It was brilliant. And I've got an awful lot of respect for them. I think they're brilliant. And when they play live, I go and see them because I think it's an incredibly visceral experience. But I don't... Armin Ra, considering that I post metal's a bit of me, I don't actually listen to Armin Ra all that much compared to, say, Cult of Luna or Neurosis or Russian Circles etc 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 um i was just wondering about your experience with armor because we've spoken about mine a few times on the show because i think i've mm. reviewed them a couple of times live um but mm -hmm. we've not really talked about your relationship with armor and I, not, I don't know what it is to be totally honest i i i do like armor Ra, but again i find them very hard to listen to on record yeah if I'm, if I'm if i'm being perfect perfectly honest i think they are much better live than they are on record i, would agree. I thought yeah i thought mass i thought mass six was really great i thought Very it was good. really really great but i mean the difference between now someone said to me once and I, I have to say i i massively disagree with this but someone said to me the thing is is neurosis invented um this kind of post-metal thing and took it to a place of perfection whereas Armin Ra have broken it down and destroyed it and rebuilt it into something even kind of more crushing now I don't actually agree with that I don't think you're screwing your face up and as if you're considering whether or not that's true I think it depends the, the kind of the insinuation to me was that Armin Ra have have changed it completely and made it something better mm. I mean to be fair right I interviewed Scott Kelly once and he said to me he thinks Armin Ra are the only band to come along post 
neurosis and do the thing that he that they do better. Mm. Yeah, I disagree with them. But <laughs> but yeah, you know I mean I do to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, I do disagree with them. I think um I think Armin Ra Armin Ra's strengths lie in the emotions that they ring out. I think they are one of the most emotional post metal bands. And a lot of that is to do with Colin Van Eekout. Um I think Colin's performance on every Armin Ra album, frankly, but it it just the, the the manner in which he exorcises his demons. I mean, his screams are absolutely blood curdling, um, and they kind of always have been. And but the, I, I I I mean, his vocal performance on every Armin Ra album is absolutely astonishing, and it's very difficult to listen to him you know screaming as intensely as he does and not be affected by it emotionally and i don't think the type of screaming that scott kelly or johannes person and um, Carl luna is doing is emotional in quite the same way so from that perspective true. from that perspective what you're saying about what, what your friend was saying about um the build it up and destroyed it and then built something different with it and even better from an emotional context I could understand that. Um, I wouldn't agree with that musically, if I'm totally honest. I mean, I actually wouldn't agree with it emotionally either. I think if oh, you listen okay. to like on, on a, on a found in decay, I don't think you can turn around and say that, Oh, there's no kind of level of like extreme. It's just done in a different way. I think it's okay. just, I think hmm. something like on a found decay by neurosis is incredibly, uh, emotionally weighty record. Anyway, I, yes, I, would he throw, does, I would throw in Mariner. Admittedly, they've got Julie Christmas with them. Yeah, of Luna there. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. I think the emotional heights of Mariner are absolutely extraordinary. So yeah, yeah, I would. I think that's a fair shout as well. Um, but I do like. I mean, live. I think they are fucking insanely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Insanely brilliant. Um, they're just. They're just. You know, there is. Uh, the, the, for me, they, there's been less and less. There's less of the light and shade that some of those bands have. I mean, Eamon Raff feel, as they try to be, kind of pitch black mm. almost at all times. Mm. And that is like, it's just a hard place to exist in, right? Whether they're being quiet or loud, there's a bleakness to what they do. Yeah, like it, they do have... Really they, bleak. They do have dynamics in what they're doing, undoubtedly. And there are dynamics in the Sonics. There's certainly dynamics in the Sonics on this record. And there are on all of the records. But um, but it always feels bleak and it always feels oppressive, even when it's really, really quiet. Mm. Which is a skill, but it's hard to listen to. <laughs> it's a skill. I mean, it's certainly like this record, when it's quiet, it is still in unfathomably intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's almost, I mean, these the weird reviewing an album like this, I think picking out moments from this record almost seems a little bit pointless. I mean, a bit like Neurosis, I don't think they exist in a sort of traditional song-based structural way. This feels like one massive, like, vomit of sort of pain and anger and hatred and kind of picking bits out from it, like picking out the kind of carrot from the sick you just want to clean the whole sick up, right? <laughs> and this is um, this is way more about the kind of rise and fall, the crash and the crush of that record as an entire piece. Um, as I was listening to it, I was trying to think of another record that I felt quite like that about. And weirdly, the only other one that I can think of, we're going to review in a minute. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think 
in like briefly as a whole, I think the kind of the spoken word passages give them some work really well and give them some respite that I think previously they've never really had uh, in that way in their career before. I think Caro. So for that, I think Caro brings Caro. Yeah. I think Caro brings something really, really good mm. to um, and really important to the band now. Mm. It's a flavor which I think is quite new for them, mm-hmm. and that's brilliant. And it's very necessary for that to be there. I think because I always find I get a total level of exhaustion listening to Amon Ra, and I didn't feel as it's still exhausting, mm-hmm. but I didn't mm-hmm. feel as exhausted by this record than I have in previous ones yeah. and dare i say it it's made it slightly more enjoyable for me. <laughs> i can understand that yeah um i think i understand what you're saying as well about it being one cohesive piece it definitely sounds like that although i am going to pick a couple of highlights um this is five tracks sure. over 46 yeah 47 minutes you know so but um het Gloren, which is the third track i believe begins with a riff that is like truly hypnotic and gradually builds on these waves of distortion and builds to a cathartic release over 11 minutes and 30 seconds which is really quite extraordinary and there's a point in the song four and a half five minutes in where everything cuts out for just a second and the silence is truly deafening and i think it's magical moments like that that armin ra are really like that's what elevates them to a special band for a lot of people um i think um i also think special mention must go to the final track vor emir as well a 12 minute 42 second epic that utilizes the breadth of their entire recorded dynamics um to their respective limits possibly one of the best songs armor i've ever composed for my money um it takes a full eight minutes before it kind of explodes sonically but as we were talking about you know even when this record is quiet there's a sort of tension to it which Armin Ra do and have done in the past very very well and the weight that that tension um the amount of time that it that it that it takes to build is almost unbearable and so that last five minutes of the track feels like the catharsis that the band try to imbue in the, their audience live in its most scintillating recorded form yet i think um and then there's that militaristic beat at the song's climax which feels like a walk into the throes of death itself you know i mean this is an this is an extraordinarily wanky way to describe a song (laughs) you know but that's how this song made me feel and i think armin ra at their best are capable of instilling that in people and, and and it is really truly extraordinary um, I was curious to see if Armin Ra would adopt any stylistic changes on this album. It's the first Armin Ra album to not have the mass prefix in the title. Um, it's been 22 years they've been a band, I believe. Seventh album. Um, you know, I was wondering, and you know, I saw the acoustic show, that, or the stripped back show, I should probably say, that they did a couple of years ago. And I know they have done that before, but, you know, I just thought maybe this is the beginning of something new for Armin Ra. Um, broadly, I don't think that's what we have. I think broadly, this is another very, very, very good Armin Ra album in a back catalogue of very good releases. But... I am getting to the point personally where I'm starting to be like, I know you can do more because I've seen you do more live. 
and I sort of want to see it in the studio as well. And I'm getting a little bit like, do I need seven Armin Ra albums? Not really. And I and, and like bar the last track, I think a lot of the time I was like, why do I need to add this to my Armin Ra collection? And I'm not entirely sure, you know, the, the, because there are devoted fans of this band, they're going to be people who want absolutely everything. But I don't know if they've really, in 22 years and seven albums in, can I honestly say hand on heart that there have been any massive departures in their sound since 2003's Mass I mean, One? Not really. Partic- particularly when you consider um, the breadth of Neurosis. I mean, I, I know it's like probably boring for people to hear, but the thing is, the reason we bring up Neurosis um, in this field is probably the same reason why you'd bring up I don't know. Um, the Cure, if you're talking about goth music, because they are the best ones at doing that, right? So I'd still go with Cult of Luna, but yeah. Neurosis well, I was about to do. say the other band that you would think that obviously spring to mind are Cult of Luna, yeah. and again, the breadth of—I mean, just the jump. You mentioned Mariner. The jump yeah. from Vertical to Mariner, exactly, is massive. Exactly. The jump from Vertical to Mariner to uh, what was the one that we released? Um, they released a fear. A dawn to fear. I need to say Eternal um, Kingdom then, but that's an old one, isn't yeah. it? Um, I mean, even that is a massive, is 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 pretty big stylistic leap yeah. within the confines of quite a quite a kind of, you know, a, 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 a quite a confined space for what yeah, that genre is. It is. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, certainly for me, I mean, I think. Cult of, even Cult of Luna look fairly um, one-dimensional in comparison with the breadth that Neurosis has been in. Arguably, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think, like, certainly for me, like, yeah, Armin Ra have not come, I don't think have come close to, I think they are one of the most interesting, uh, in terms of the way they operate, in mm. terms of the sheer level of kind of, the, the that kind of heavy blanket of like darkness that they drape over you they have an incredible they are they are very very good at that they are very good at that i think but but i funnily enough i do kind of agree with you i do think well lads you know like if if i'm gonna if i'm gonna put you up on i mean even you know last week we were talking about bosk Mm. i would say the jump from audio noir to migration is bigger than anything that is bigger than the first Amon Ra album to this. I'm glad you mentioned that because if you didn't, then I was going to. Um, so yeah, the the yeah migration audio noir to migration is a big bigger jump than Mass One to Derdun. It just is, and yeah. I think all of that stuff that you said about the aesthetic and all of that stuff that you said about like the Church of Ra stuff and all, all everything outside yeah. of the actual music itself is absolutely fucking fascinating about Armin Ra. And I will continue to follow them and support them and go to see them live because there is something that you get an Armin, at an Armin Ra show that you don't get from other bands. But if I'm totally honest, the thing that I've always found the least interesting about Armin Ra is their music and this continues to be the case with their dawn and i don't know maybe i set myself up for the fall myself because because i saw it was a different title and stuff and i I just kind of went oh cool this will be where they're doing something different and so i can't it would be remiss of me to not mention that when i pressed play on the record and listened to it for the first time my initial reaction was disappointment that 
it sounded like pretty much every Armin Ra album since Mass 3, I would say. And the only reason why 1 and 2 aren't getting in there is because they're not quite as good. They weren't quite as good at doing what they do. <laughs> I think 3 is the point where they got really good at what they do, you know. Yeah, I really like 4. I think 4 is probably my favourite thing of that they've done. But back then it was like, oh my God, this is... And yeah, it has been. I guess the kind of law of diminishing returns is, that's it. Um, is, a, is, a, is a thing. Well, that's, um, that's the thing. I, I would like to stress that Armin Ra are still fucking amazing at what they do. And I can see plenty... Of, if you've never listened to Armin Ra and you listen to this, I can think plenty of people would listen to it and go, this is fucking incredible. Because it is. The quality is really, really high. But... For a band who are so, I mean, the reaction I see from people with Armin Ra is just absolutely insane. It's little Joey Nan's birthday today. He's just turned 12 as we record this. And he absolutely adores Armin Ra. I mean, his parents shouldn't be letting him listen to music like this, but he absolutely adores them. And and you I, watch Ro you watch Robocop. He's not old enough to watch it, Robocop oh, either. fuck's sake. Unbelievable. I'm going <laughs> to have a word with him. But, you know, like th there are so many people I know who are just absolutely devoted to them. And I think everything around them is worthy of that devotion, except for the music, which is annoying. Yeah, I mean, I think people do just like, like, what is the fucking sickest, thickest, blackest, bleakest, nastiest, heaviest, most oppressive shit that you can get? Yeah. And Omen Ra are right up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say they are the most. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, like... We've, we've talked about the drift a whole bunch of times. We've talked about um, lingering notes. There are things that are more, even more oppressive than this. I, I find but, daughters harder to listen to than Armand Ra, personally. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, saying that, I do actually like this record. Yeah, so do I. I want to make it clear that I do like this record a lot. Yeah, I do. I think, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of Caro and I do think every time, I, th I think like... You know, I said I wasn't going to pick stuff out of it, but I think every time Caro comes in, she just fucking elevates mm. the the album. It's a really amazing. She's a really good counterpoint for yeah. this music. Like it, it's it fits like a glove. Mm. But overall, um, I don't. Yeah, I'm just. I guess I'm just not surprised. I mean, it's yeah. maybe that kind of. I'm not. I don't want to compare Skin Dread and Armin Ra, but I'm. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not disappointed. I'm not surprised. No, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a good skin dread comparison from that point of view, and I suppose, mm. like, similarly with me going, it would be nice to see skin dread do something different. That's not me going. I think skin dread are rubbish. It's just yeah. they've been doing the same thing for a very, very long time. And to be honest, that's sort of true of Armin as well. And it's a very yeah. worthy thing and it's a worthwhile thing. And I, I'm not saying worthy in a sarcastic way or anything like that. I think it's brilliant what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but it's difficult, you know, seventh time around, it's difficult for me to get excited about that because I've got the other six. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing the Mirhoot helicopter next time Armin Ra come <laughs> over to... <laughs> over to, to play that will be a sight um yeah that'll be an interesting juxtaposition Just really really slowly t-shirt over your head <laughs> <laughs> or using a mallet or something get the heaviest thing you can get and just swing it really slowly around uh yeah. all right cool i think that's that isn't it did dawn by omar is out now let's move on to our next record uh which comes from urn now, the debut album from the UK trio, who are based all over the gaff, they're all 
all three of them are all over the country, <laughs> I think. Uh, after we featured them, the last time we featured Earn was on, believe, our second ever episode. It's actually episode one, which is actually our second episode because we are quite pretentious, you might have noticed. Um, but yeah, we did uh, the, the most exciting new bands of 2018 and Earn and their EP was featured on that. So we've been waiting quite a long time for a debut album from this band. We have. Well, don't forget, we Joe, pre- don't forget Joe's been on the show as well. So Joe, we have had Joe has been on the show. Joe Nally, their bassist and vocalist, has been on the show um, talking about Thin Lizzy, Thin Lizzy. As, as is his want. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, so we were very, very positive and thought well, this is quite a promising metal band in a sort of sludgy mastodony thing i think that's the thing though it was just promising though wasn't it this is promising this is promising yeah this is promising this is could be a thing and now we have the debut full-length album uh serpent or spirit i think i said that serpent um, and spirit serpent and spirit yeah serpent or spirit that's a it's a bruce forsyth game show <laughs> it's, it? it's not one <laughs> or the other you can have both <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is it a serpent or is it a spirit? <laughs> a spirit. Oh my dear, it's a serpent. Oh. Um, anyway, that that's, is, that is a music video waiting to happen, guys. If you're listening, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, now uh, here it is, and fuck me, is it just my imagination, Renfrey, or is metal the classic sound of heavy metal having a pretty good 2021? I, I think on the basis of this, I think it's having a fucking amazing 2021. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about Earn. We've spoken about... Um, uh, who else we talk about? Um, oh, my God. What's the name of the... the, the we're talking with Tom with, not Immolation. The Black Metal... Tribulation, sorry. Yeah. We spoke about Tribulation. Uh, Ruins of Beverast we've spoken about as well, who you're both, like, really, really keen on. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some really, really good kind of old-school riff heavy metal records with kind of extreme uh influences on it that have come out this year that have been really great and here we have another one i mean this is what you want isn't it for metal is this not what you want this is all the best bits of metallica mastodon and down in one band and if that sounds like i'm hugely overplaying the best bits of Metallica, Mastodon, and Down. That sounds like I'm massively overplaying it. I promise you, like, I don't I don't think I am. I think this is what they are. I think they are literally the best. They're not just, like, a, a mix of those bands. They're a mix of the best bits of those bands. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, boy. Um, the For fans of, on the press release for this, very clearly state Metallica, and then in brackets it says 80s Metallica. I think that's a very important distinction because just like Metallica from Killer More to Injustice for All, it feels like Urn are taking every single element of metal that you fucking love, doing it to its absolute apex, doing it to its absolute highest standard, and then putting it out there in a beautifully formed, beautifully composed way. And all this moaning I've done about metal for a very, very long time, both of us really, but I've become more renowned for it, I suppose, um, is because 
bands have not been doing this. This is all I've been asking for. <laughs> and I say that, I mean, it's actually quite a lot. It's very difficult to do an album that is I was going to say, <laughs> all, all I've been asking for are eight minute long progressive metal songs with absolutely unbelievable riffs, <laughs> really throat ripping, like bullish vocals that then go into massive <laughs> anthemic melodic parts. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. That's, but, all, that's all I've asked for. But here's the thing. In terms of that classic metal sound, I think this is the most excited I've been about an album since Machine Head did The Blackening. Fucking hell. Wow. 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 I didn't know you were going to say that. I think this is fucking amazing, this record. I think... Yeah, now, I, I, was, I was sort of like... This is a debut album. Mm, let's not get don't, too excited. Yeah, don't yeah. go mad. <laughs> yeah. Don't go mad. And then it's I press play on it. Album. And then I press play on it and I go, ah, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it is incredible. It's so I think good. This is, I thought Dune was an absolute shoe in for the best metal album of the year. I thought that was like untouchable, unstoppable. That's like, that is the best metal album of the year. And I still think Dune are probably more forward thinking and I guess more interesting as a conceptual thing. Yeah. Like they got more stuff going on that's kind of outside the realms of metal. I'm not really putting Dune quite in the same metal category, but, but yes, I understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So you've got just, it's so gnarly, the first track. There's so many twists and turns. Joe sounds both ferocious oh, and, like I say, like achingly melodic at the same Joe's time. Joe's performance is and, fucking brilliant on this record. And then the, the next song comes in. Um, the next song comes in, which is called The Palace of Devils and Wolves. I mean, what a fucking metal name mm -hmm. is that? And it's like a kind of doom metal version of Seek and Destroy. Yep. And you're like, ah, oh, you're sold. Worst song on the record. The first worst, riff. worst song on the record. It's still a nine out of ten, I would say. Yeah, I mean, there is there is not a lot to be even kind of picky about nope. on this record. There's not a lot to be picky about at all. Nope. I mean, you've got something like Memorial, which, again, like Metallica, an eight minute and 16 second. I mean, is it an instrumental? Is it a bit it of, is. No. Like, it's so, an instrumental. So it's a full-blown instrumental. I'm so glad you said that. And you said it like that because... So Memorial is entirely instrumental and yet it's so brilliantly composed that I didn't even notice it's entirely instrumental. The king of instrumental music. I didn't even notice that. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> yeah, self-proclaimed. Until maybe my fourth or fifth listen. And I was like six minutes through it on the fourth, fifth listen went, wait a minute, there's no vocals on this. But it's so brilliantly composed that you just don't notice. And it's eight and a bit minutes, you know. It basically takes Orion or To Live Is To Die, I think To Live Is To Die in particular, actually, mm. uh, as a blueprint and crack the skies it up. Brilliant. Yeah. Last Baron, innit? Yeah. Fucking It's fucking amazing. Unreal. It's yeah, amazing. It's really good. And and even though we're mentioning a lot of like old school or kind of traditionally influenced metal bands. It feels contemporary. I mean, yeah. 
Desolate Heart might be my favourite song on the record. It's and that song. is because I know Joe likes Kill Switch Engage. Right. And that <laughs> is like Kill Switch Engage and Crowbar mixed together with like yeah. Troy yeah. Sanders singing over blast beats. Yeah. Shag me up the arse, that song. <laughs> <laughs> like shag my bum to death. It is fucking great yeah and then the next song envy the dead is like less than three minutes long so you know you're gonna get a rager and that's got bits of like mailings and the sons of disaster on yeah it. yeah southern yeah. fried squalling like old school hard rock punk thing mm -hmm. they're you know and i guess memorial see me to rest is like the ballad i guess the kind of fade to black on the record, I suppose. It is, but it's a very exciting indication of their future. Isn't yeah, it? I think so. That song. Oh, because absolutely. It's the most dynamic song on the record. And yes, I think the fade to black of the album is absolutely a good shout. Um, and, you know, God, I don't really have many criticisms with this album. I barely have any at all. In the interest of trying to find something, uh, one minor criticism is that it might be a touch samey. I think, to be honest with you, when it's this, when the quality is this high, I don't think it actually fucking matters. But but I will say that a song like Memorial's Sing Me to Rest really gives me hope for their future as well, because if I got another album that was this samey, then it would start to be a problem. It's not a problem on this record because it's fucking great. Quite a long record as well. We all, we always moan about records being too long. This is 55 minutes, which for a yeah. record of this um, sonic intensity and this this metal, <laughs> to be frank, that's really long. But it flies by, flies mm. by, just like the black. I mean, the blackening's an hour long and it feels like yeah. it's about half an hour. So does this. Mm. It's yeah. brilliant. A Tomb So Frail is the last song on the record. And I mean, fuck me, Renfrey. Fuck me. Massive. I mean, <laughs> fuck, me, li, 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 fuck me. Like, they, I mean, they are as a three. They're a three piece. Oh, like, listen no. to me like, fucking, they're a three piece. Oh, no. Like, but I got to say the riffs on this fucking record mm -hmm. are like, I mean, there are some fucking riffs on this mm -hmm. record and angus their guitarist oh angus who, is an absolute champion yeah who is pulling these fucking riffs out of his ass yeah. every couple of seconds yeah like i'm yeah like this is fucking metal as it should be done this is how metal i yeah you're, you're right like this is how i want metal to sound mm-hmm and I think, you know, like, it's probably, you know, it's not like loads of people are going to be like, hey, get, get this. This is not getting on Radio 1 or anything like that, right? No. This is way too metal. And it is borrowing from lots of, like, lots and lots and lots of, like, you know, the classic sounds of, of metal. But it's just, I mean, again, as well, the, the production on it is, it, which is um, uh, Chris Fielding and Jens Yen, Bogren. Oh, we've spoken about Jens Bogren. Um, I thought it was um, Matey Boys from Silosis. Josh, I thought it was Josh Muddleton from Silosis did the production. It's not what it says here. It says recorded by Chris Field and mastered by Jens Bogren. I noticed Jens Bogren was involved in it. I thought he produced oh, it actually. But I mean, Jens Bogren has got a lot of good shit <laughs> like in his back catalogue, as we've discussed on, I think, the Meshuggah special. Opeth, I think. 
Opeth, yes, that's it. Sorry, you're right, yeah. Uh, and yeah, man, like the dude knows how to make a riff sound good and especially if they are good riffs. I don't really have much more to say about this record. I just think if you like metal, if you're one of those people I'm who are like... I'm I, sorry to interrupt you. It is, well, according to the press release, it's produced by Silosis slash Architects guitarist Josh Middleton. Oh, well, I'm on their uh, Bandcamp page. Oh, how strange. It says recorded by... Oh, okay. Produced by... It is produced by Josh Middleton. Due to COVID, the final parts of the album were written over Skype before being recorded by Chris Fielding. Um, Uh... And then then it was sent to acclaimed producer Jens Bogren. So there's a lot of people who have been handling this. Goodness me. But all of them know about making metal sound good. Well, on the basis of this, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this record sounds like perfect for what it's trying to do. Yep. Fair play. This record sounds perfect. I've said nice things about some of those people. I've said less nice things about some of those people in this case, 10 out of 10 bullseye. It's brilliant. This is fucking fantastic record. Comfortably the best metal debut of the year. Yeah. 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 Pretty much, yeah. What what, what else? Could for for a milli millisecond, I was like, Dune. It's not their debut, but yeah, no, it's not their debut. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I would say. Um, so obviously, there's you know this running joke on this show that's come out of basically me saying I didn't like the last Trivium album. Um, that you know I don't like metal or Black Dahlia murder or Black Dahlia murder. Well, newsflash. Let's not forget them. Serpent and Spirit shits all over what the Dead Men say. It shits all over Black Dahlia Murder's entire discography. It shits all over 13, Firepower, We Are Not Your Kind, Disarm the Descent, Nightmare Logic, yes it does, Hardware to Self-Destruct, Dystopia, Fever, Metal Galaxy, Cycle of Suffering, Repentless, Prequel, This Is The Six, Disgusting, For Those Who Wish To Exist, Aya, it shits all over all of them. And those are some of the most critically acclaimed metal albums of the last 10 years. Where did you this get is... that last that list from? I just made it up myself. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> this is better than all of those records. And it's their debut. I can't remember everything that you said. And there's only a couple that I went, well, I'm not sure about that. But um, I don't even remember what they are now. Nightmare Logic, I'm like, mm, it's about the same, I reckon. This is way more ambitious than Nightmare Logic. It's way, way, more, it's way more, more way more ambitious, and it's not only is it more ambitious, but it also hits on every single level. Now you can argue that Nightmare Logic hits on every level for what it's trying to do, but what it's trying to do is thrash. It's the most mm. simple, boneheaded. That's Kill 'Em All. This is Master of Puppets. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Hence, it's better. Uh, yeah, it's quite hard to argue. Hence, it's better. That. It's quite hard to argue. It's also better than Kill 'Em All, this record. Objectively. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Um, I'm not going to get into this conversation. Because let's face it, Kill 'Em All is not as amazing as everyone says it was. It's an important record, but it's, you know, it's, it's got a lot of, like, filler. It's got a lot of filler on it. It's got a lot of moments which don't quite hit it. When it hits, it's fucking outrageous. What doesn't hit on this record? 
Well, look, okay, nothing, nothing. Like everything exactly. hits on this record. You're quite right, but no one had ever done that before, had they? Kill them no, all. No, no, no. That's true. You got to take the con. You got to take the context that's into true. account. You're and listening that's, to and that's, a 2021 record and a 1983 and, record, and, and that's you have to sort of. And that's why Kill them All is an extremely important record, and that's why Kill them All is a more important record than Serpent and Spirit in terms of quality. Serpent and Spirit's a better record. I would drop this mic, but it's very expensive. Yeah, don't drop that mic. Let's just move on. I think Serpent Spirit is fucking... This is the best metal de debut of the year. Uh, nothing's going to top it. I mean... It's one of the best metal you... debuts of the decade. It's, it's Conjurer yes. Meyer levels of amazing. Yeah, it, it actually is. I think that's a great shout. It is, it is like 2021's Meyer by mm -hmm. Conjurer. That I'm happy to go with yep. for sure. Uh, Serpent Spirit by Urn is out now. If you like metal in any way whatsoever, I think you are about to find your new favourite band. It is fucking great, this record. We did tell you three years ago. <laughs> Not that it's important to be uh, first on this stuff, but, you know, we are, so this does th This does shit all over their EP, to be fair. The EP's really good, but but compared, this is absolutely... I was, I was, I mean, I really like that EP. Yeah. And I was... Stunned. When I, I have to be honest, when I listened to this for the first time, I was stunned Same. at the jump. I think Same. I messaged you because Joe sent me a song from yeah. it, yeah. and I was like, did. "Mate, you have I cannot believe what's happened." Yeah. Like I thought, I thought they'd be better, yeah. but this is an insane jump. Yeah. An insane, insane jump. You, you it's brought incredible. you brought them into that first show, and I agreed with everything you said. I thought it was really promising, and I thought, "Oh, these are definitely ones to watch." I never for a millisecond predicted they would come out with something this good at, to be honest at any point in their career let alone for their first album but they have <laughs> it's fucking good man it's fucking good anyway that's out now uh let's move on to an album that yes yes we should have covered a long fucking time ago fucked up the year of the horse the canadian punks return with their follow-up to my favorite album of the last decade and i still stand by that by the way 2018's dosha dreams it features contributions from amongst others matt berenger and julian baker which yeah. is pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. right that's yeah. pretty cool right so um look let's just get this out of the way first because people have been tweeting this, uh, us about this and we i'm gonna just fess up to how confused it's been we should have covered this a little while back like we knew when act one of this came out and i thought people go fucked up have released a new album and then we were like oh they've released a new album oh it's the first part of an album it kind of a confusing release schedule for what's been going on here so we thought part one was the first was the full album and when that was coming out, we decided we were going to review it until we realised it was only a quarter of the album. And so we decided not to do that. To, be, then it was to, to give us some credit, Act 1 does sound like an entire record in and of itself. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it does. Um, and then it was kind of coming out bit by bit. And we never really knew. We were like, well, we're going to wait until it's all been released and, yeah. rele and do it all as one thing. And we never knew when it was going to be released or how it was going to be released or what time or they're going to release it all together as one thing. Uh, it appears that now they have done that. But confusingly, if you're on Apple Music... It goes part two, part one. Um, uh, well, actually, parts one and two are not, sorry, parts one and two are not on Apple Music. Right. So only parts three and four are on Apple Music. Uh, and on Spotify, it goes part two, part one, part four, part three. Now, the only, probably the reason for it, maybe, is that you should be getting it on Bandcamp, yeah. where it's all there. Just listen properly, to it on Bandcamp, kids. Yeah. It's over there, laid out properly with no gaps, mm. four tracks, mm. Are basically four tracks that last it's 94 minutes and 15 seconds long so act one is 19 minutes and 19 seconds act two is 26 minutes and 34 seconds act three is 22 minutes and six seconds and act four is 26 minutes and 16 seconds so finally 
finally, after not really knowing when it was coming out, I think we were trying to chat to their press team. We didn't really know. Like, fucked up, do not do things in A the traditional, way. No, normal, no, conventional no, way in any way. So it's been confusing. And yes, you lot, you are right. And you should have been surprised because I still regularly listen to Dose of Dreams and I still am happy to go, that's the best record of the last 10 years or 11 years now. Um, uh, but here we here, here we have basically an hour and a half more of fucked up music, which we are finally going to talk about. Um, it's yeah, uh, ninety minutes after the last thing they did, which I mean, I I don't know if I've mentioned this enough. I like that last <laughs> album, uh, but this is an album that a few people have said to me they feel is better than Dose Your Dreams, mm. and to those people, I would say, whoa there, whoa there, Sunny Jim. Let's let's not say things that we can't take back. Um, that's a j- just before I'd even heard the thing in its entirety, I was like, "Whoa, there, whoa!" Can't be saying that shit around me. It's gonna be like tough for me to make that call. So we've now heard it all in its in full, and funnily enough, having just said picking out individual things, which I think you can more on this really, but picking out individual things from this record, particularly a bit like Armin Ra. Um, again, it's more about the, the entirety of the journey Absolutely. than it is the sum of its parts. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. This is another record, which is an unbelievable journey from fucked up. I think there are, just as many twists and turns it's just as unpredictable but i've actually found it harder to pick those moments out from it that i didn't find as hard on dosha dreams i'm just going to start my review by pointing that out cheers uh i could start it by saying that i prefer this to dosha dreams are you going to do that? Are you yes, I do? fucking am. Are um, you actually? Okay, yes. fine. Um, so this is the ninth entry in their Zodiac series, right? Bar a couple of exceptions, the majority of the Zodiac series is consisted of like 12-inch EPs with one usually really long song on it, followed by a shorter B-side. But this is much different. You know, this is like a full double album, 95-minute extravaganza. And yes, in many ways, it does follow the Dose Your Dreams. Well, well, I... I I'm reluctant to even call it a formula because it isn't really a formula, is it? It's an absolutely madcap adventure through space and time, basically. Um, but it is a hugely ambitious album to follow what was also a hugely ambitious album. Um, it's very operatic in scope. It's beautifully assembled, like really beautifully assembled. They've taken the concept and the story of the album really seriously. Guitarist Michael Halichuk crafted the story in collaboration with a playwright called David James Brock, uh, who I'm not personally familiar with, but I looked at his website and it looks like he's done some very cool shit indeed. But if you're getting a playwright involved for the story, the the, the rock opera element of your um, uh, concept album, you're taking this shit seriously, I think. I think yeah. that's really cool to see. Um, 
the story itself is sort of convoluted. I'm not really going to go f- through it here. It's basically about you in, in full, but it's basically about a horse called Percival. He's trapped on Earth. Um, he's searching for a way back to his rightful home. He escapes the small western town of Abfall, which has been consumed by like evil skullduggery. He's chased into surrounding wastelands. There's a bunch of characters. It's absolutely bonkers, blah, blah, blah. It's like a real magic western. Um, a realist magic western, I would say. And the music conveys that spectacularly with its soaring trumpets and weeping cellos uh, and the tension-building palm-muted guitars and the synths that are used to convey those mystical and celestial elements to the story. Here's one thing that I will say that is objectively better about Year of the Horse than Dose Your Dreams. I think it conjures up the story through the music better than dose your dreams did absolutely disagree hugely disagree huge disagree from me Uh, nope i think that whole thing of this being a magic realist western i think is beautifully conveyed in the music and the music alone i think your dose i think dose your dreams at several points in dose your dreams it does that as well. It, it brilliantly marries the music to what is happening in the story. But I think at other times in Dose Your Dreams, it doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite... How dare you? I, but it doesn't. You know, there are times where it doesn't quite work. But I think for the entire 95 minutes of this, I feel like the music and the story really are a part of each other. I think part of the reason for that is because a lot more space has been given to it. It's really interesting that you say that this is harder to listen to than Dose Your Dreams because I had the exact opposite. It had the exact opposite effect on me because in a in a way, I mean, it's a, it's a good 15 minutes longer than Dose Your Dreams. And actually, I'd say, if anything, in terms of like the amount of ideas in it, there's probably less ideas in it than there are in dose your dreams to be honest but those ideas yeah, I agree with that. but those ideas are given room to breathe and a bit more space to breathe and um a bit more room to be explored i think and that's why i've stopped short of saying that you know this record is objectively better than dose your dreams i think there are things that are objectively better about it but i wouldn't i'm not at that stage where i'm going to you know plant that flag just yet because i prefer it um i prefer listening to this album than i do dose your dreams because those ideas are explored far more and they're given so much more room to breathe and i love the guests on this like similar to the nationals last record there's so much there's so many vocals female vocals on this album which i think really... there is on dose your dreams though. there's a lot of female vocals there are there are on dose your dreams it felt like there was more on this but there are there are a lot on yeah, dose your dreams yeah. as well um and i do think that they really 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 lift this album and i think mm-hmm. i like the way I don't know, maybe this is just my constitution more than yours in that, I mean, Dose Your Dreams is split up into 18 songs. I quite quite like the way that this is just split up into four acts. It kind of forces you to listen to it as one thing, almost, you know. And I kind of prefer that in a way. It feels more cohesive to me. Dose Your Dreams is an amazing kaleidoscopic journey of all sorts of amazingly twisted ideas and the fact that it slots together at all is an absolute miracle and it's brilliant 
it's you know it's absolutely amazing i'm not shitting on dose your dreams at all it's a fucking phenomenal no, no, record no. and for the record i'm not gonna sh i'm not going to shit on this mm. record mm. either i think it would be impossible to shit on this record mm. because it is like another staggering achievement from fucked up mm. i here's what i would say and this is why i think there's a there's a couple of reasons why now to be honest, it, like we decided to do this only a couple of days ago. Mm. And I have been listening to the bits of this record as it came out, but listen to it in full. Like I say, it's different listening to it in full. And it feels like even though I'd listened to Act 1 and Act 2 and Act 3 um, individually yeah. and then kind of listened to Act 1 and 2 together, like it's not the same as listening to 1, 2, 3 and 4 together. Like it's not the same. And I did that and I was like, God, it's just... It's hard. I, I I really felt like here's the difference, you know, like th this veers from rock, like proper hard rock, borderline metal in some points. Yeah. Like it's it's probably for the things that it doesn't have that Dose of Dreams had, what it does have that Dose of Dreams didn't have is that this is a I think this is a more traditionally heavier record. Yeah. Um it goes to really kind of quiet, you know, you mentioned the, the spaghetti western bits, the quiet shoegazy folk parts. Um, there's um, the kind of weird sprite thing that happens at the middle of, like the, towards the last few minutes of Act Two. Mm -hmm. um, but here's what I think is here's what I think is different about it, and maybe why I still think Dosha Dreams just pips this record, and why I think this record needs probably a little bit more of my time before I can really make a true call on it. Is that Dosha Dreams was sort of upbeat and fun whilst being kaleidoscopically mental. Mm -hmm. Like it is a mental careering record. And there's less here, I think, in the way of actual fun on this record. I'd agree with that. There's less kind of pop on it. There's less um, that kind of uh, is wild about it. Like like I say, you know, it's, there's a there feels to me, it's like there's a grayer vibe around this record. Yeah. Um, even, like I say, that weird sprite thing, it's not, it's more disturbing than kind of technicolored. When you got that on Dose Your Dreams, it was like a drug trip. And that's what it's meant to be. And I think like, you know, when the kind of indie thing that they do at the start of Act 3 turns into metal, actual metal, which I think is kind of one of the few things that was actually missing from that last record. Yeah, yeah. It goes into this sort of electro rock thing. I am like, what a beautifully, that, I mean, that is incredible incredible marrying like weird robot voices with trumpets at the start of act four yeah and it's the, the shifts that this record makes are unbelievable and it does it in an osmosis sort of way where it feels really natural and you're kind of like how on earth did we get to this point when seven minutes ago this was like a full-on raging megadeth style metallic riff and now it's like yeah you know, someone piano, whistling like a grand, piano and trumpets. Grand like, piano. Yeah, but it yeah. feels, it feels, you know, it's it's very post-rock in that sense, in that it does it very, very subtly. Give it up, mate. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, this is, this is, this is absolutely yeah, yeah. a post-rock record. Like, like, yeah. I actually, I think that is part of the reason why I prefer it and why you will probably continue to prefer Dose Your Dreams. I think there are, um, that is more, Dose Your Dreams is more of a punk rock opera. This is more of a post-rock record which tells a story. I mean, you know, they have described it as a rock opera, but but Dosey Dreams is more rock opera to me than this is, you know. Yeah. Even though I, I think mean, the story's it, clearer in this one. Well, this, this is the thing that I want to pick up on that, actually, because I felt like I immediately understood the world of Dosey Dreams. Hmm. 
Whereas, and I felt like I could pick out exactly what was going on throughout that. I was like, I don't, I know what, I know what's going on. I was like, that bit's about that and that bit's about that. And I'm not sure that I know exactly what's going on here. There are parts where I'm like, I don't definitely know where the story is at this point or what's happening. I felt like Dosha Dreams created this world and it started like grey and it got brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and more manic and more like like splashes of paint everywhere. And you knew where those characters were and you knew what they were doing. I don't always feel like I know exactly what is going on on this record. And that might be because it's more of a challenging record sonically overall. It might be because the story is just more dense and difficult to understand. I mean, Dose to Dreams, it's not actually like a particular, I don't think it's a super ridiculous, it's like, it's such, it's a wild story, but it's yeah. not a story that like takes you to mm, loads and loads of different places. Like, oh no, it does. I mean, actually that's not true. Well, it, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it it does. But I guess what I'm saying is the story feels fairly simple, like, comparatively to this one. Well, what all I will say to that, and I think this is a personal thing as to, like, how you, you know, how you um, are affected by these records. But I personally feel the exact opposite. I've been listening to Dosha Dreams on and off for the last three years and there are still portions of the story or still portions of the music where I don't see how it connects up with the story. Um, I've listened to this in full four or five times because we have really only had it the last couple of days and I feel like I get what every single moment is doing in the story and the music is doing. So, yeah. See, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not sure I quite fully understand it yet. But I do think that come the end of the year, I mean, it'll probably will be in a place where it will get better and better and better mm -hmm. and better to me. I mean, like, I know people want to know what I thought about it. Am I disappointed about it? Not in the slightest. No, no, Not no. in the slightest. This is Fucking arguably great. a more a more challenging record than the previous record, which I think was the best record of the decade. It's also, to me, to my ears, a far more confusing record as well. Mm. Yeah, and I mean... I, I, I kind of feel like this, this to me, is like when I spoke to people about Dosha Dreams and there were some people who were like, oh my God, yes, it's the best thing I've ever heard. And there were some people who were like, oh my God, I don't really know if I get it. Like, mm. what are you hearing? Mm. And I feel like this is what those people were hearing on Dosha Dreams when they were saying to me, like, I'm not quite sure that it's fully clicked with me yet. And I don't think the entirety of Dosha Dream it's just clicked with me in almost, almost immediately. Like, almost immediately. Whereas this, it didn't click with me immediately. But that's fine. Mm. Because, like, you know, it is, it is a staggering, staggering work of art. Mm. It is a phenomenal achievement to have put this record together. Again, I mean, it's very difficult for me to to go, is this as good as my favourite album of the last decade? Like, it's really fucking difficult to come off the bat. And, and I was almost, because I think when we spoke about Fucked Up before, I was like, yeah, you know, I had the chemistry of Common Living or the chemistry of Common Life, whatever it's called. And, you know, and then I heard like David Comes to Life a little bit and I sort of was into him, but I wasn't like massively mm -hmm. into him. And then this record came along and we did it. And I was just like, holy fucking shit. So it's not even like we, I felt like I was a, we I was a big... We weren't even going to cover Dosey Dreams. It was quite a last minute edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fact. Like I, yeah. Um, like I didn't really consider myself a fan of Fucked Up. Yeah. And I still don't really consider myself a fan of like loads of their, I, I, I kind of like that now I've, I'm like, oh yeah, they've got, they are, they are really great. Mm. And, but there's nothing that I feel like that about mm. Mm. in their discography mm. 
But having heard this, I am like, they're at a point now where they're like, I would say probably the most, they're, they're probably the most interesting band on the planet at the moment. They're legitimately the only band on the planet who are doing this, I think. Yeah. In the way I mean, that this is doing amazingly, this is amazingly like another thing where I'm like, yeah, no one's ever done this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, you know, there are big concept things, you know, you've got Coheed and Cambria and stuff. I think the Deer Hunter is really, really good and is doing uh, this like large concept, multifaceted stories over in Deer Hunter's case, many albums. Um, I don't think Deer Hunter has done anything quite as good as this or Dose Your Dreams, but, you know, it, as one piece of work. But certainly, you know, there's an overarching concept over several albums and all this sort of blah, 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 blah. I mean, even when you bring up a band like Coheed, though, to be fair, who I really like, and mm. I actually quite like that last record and the kind of the Amory Wars and all that kind of stuff is, 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 is cool. But, you know, <laughs> they don't musically reflect no, that no. in the same way as those in, in the same way as those dreams all year of the horse do well or of, fucked up in general do of, like, they of don't. those three examples coheed are objectively the worst <laughs> you know they are and they're a great band but they are the worst at doing it um like just that's just a fact um i mean when i was sat down and listening to this i, I was getting thrown mu so much thrown at me that like i started trying to name bands that this reminded me of and a selection of the bands that this reminded me of as I was just listening to it. This Will Destroy You, Mastodon, Nightwish, Early Monster Magnet, Judas Priest, The Stone Roses, Porter's Head, London Grammar, Deftones, The Mars Volta, Sly and the Family Stone, David Bowie, Clutch, Ministry, Chelsea Wolfe, The Entire Nwobbam Movement, Nina Simone, Alice Cooper, Stevie Wonder, King Crimson, and of course, Ennio Morricone, because you can't evoke Westerns without evoking Ennio Morricone. And like... I gave up around the middle of Act 2 because I was just like, well, I'm just going to write a list which is a fucking page long and read out and that's not going to be that interesting. I mean, that was only one paragraph and it wasn't that interesting. So, but the, my point is, is the sheer breadth that this is going into. And you take an album like, we always moan about Ammo and how playlisty it sounds. This takes yeah. from far more than oh, Ammo does. More. Far more. And yet it doesn't sound like a playlist. It sounds like one cohesive piece. And that is the objective difference between things that are really really good and really brilliantly beautifully crafted and bring me the horizons ammo yeah which is a mess yeah you're right it's a bit of a mess um anyway there you go um you wanted to know what we thought about it and that's what we think about it i think come the end of the year i think i will probably have a lot more to say about this than i do right now I think it's quite likely that it'll come up again at the end of the year, don't you think? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and, because, and I mean, I, at, the, at the moment, I am more like to be honest. I am, I am more like, holy shit, they've done it again, sort of, and I'm impressed rather than like like I I want to hug Dose of Dreams. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> I love. I want to kiss it. I want to like like rock it to sleep at night and read oh, it bedtime stories. That's sweet. I love it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have mentioned it once yeah. or twice. I know. It's so good. I might put it on after this, actually. Oh, yeah, we've got to do Bow House, haven't we? I like Bow House. Bow House is good. Yeah, yeah. Fucking great. Um, anyway, uh, Year of the Horse by Fucked Up is out now. Let's do one last one. Sorry, this is a long old show, so we will get through this. Apologies, all you The Guru Guru fans. Um, 
It's a doggy dog. It's a open brackets, doggy dog, close brackets world and live in Antwerp. A kind of new EP. I guess a double, some kind of weird double EP. It's thing a double EP. Belgian. Yeah, it's uh, we're bookending our Belgian releases um, <laughs> this week. Uh, it's a follow up to... Two bands who sound exactly alike. <laughs> yeah, definitely very much like that. How will we compare these guys to Skinjet? Um <laughs> The follow-up to last year's Point Fingers album, which I really loved, and I still do, to be honest. In fact, yeah. I listened to it yesterday right. just to double-check that I still listen to it, and it's I, a fucking great record. I listen, it's a great record. I listened to it yesterday, um, mainly to stack it up against this, but yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, cool. The Guru Guru, they're good. Um, and they are really good. They're a mad really old good. bunch of stoats, aren't they? Yes. And this is a mad old thing as well. I mean, I'm going to say this before we get into the good stuff. The first one is called Where's My Rum? Open brackets. Isn't it anywhere? Close brackets. And oh my God, I felt sick listening to that song. I have to say, I fucking hated it. I really hated that opening song. I was like, oh, what have you done? Yeah. Why have you done this? I wouldn't say I hated it, but it was a very uh, avant-garde, discordant way to start. Oh, there he is. He said it. Avant-garde, discordant. Avant-garde. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, way to start the record. Does that mean people have to drink now or something? I don't know. Um, yeah, something like that. Um, quite haunting way to start the record. I certainly thought that, considering the EP, I don't know how long it is, 12, 13, 14 minutes, something like that. I was like, wow, you're using three minutes, four minutes on on this? Brave. I like. I, I will be kinder and say, brave. Yeah. You... I'm going to say I'm gonna say stupid. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not totally convinced it was the right move. I will. I will. I think it was. It put me in a right bad fucking mood. To <laughs> I was like, what are you doing this for? You silly fucks. But then like fair play to them. The guru guru. The rest of it, I think, is excellent. Mm. Uh, the second song, Who Died and Made You King. Is that what it's called? They've got some fucking weird names. Who, who Died, open brackets, made you king of anything, close brackets, is like like craft work which i rate a lot it's like kind of yellow or the art of noise and it turns into this proper bass heavy throbber and i love bands who can sound like pure pop but with mad rock time signatures going on as well um the the then snakes and ladders um oh in in snakes and ladders open brackets stakes don't matter close brackets for fuck's sake that is that is again bass heavy fucking thumper um and it's a really uh, experimental ep isn't it i mean like it's yeah. very bass driven it kind of reminded me of fugazi at their most experimental you know that furniture ep yeah that, the last thing fugazi ever released which is fucking brilliant by the way mm. like when they did songs like brendan one and shit like that it felt like a yeah. it felt like a really experimental oddity of an ep um and i quite like that caven used to do that quite a bit as well you know they'd release an ep mm -hmm. of like odd stuff creative eclipses and stuff like that I think that's really cool. I, I like that. Um, I can't honestly sit here and say I like it. I enjoy this EP as much as I did Point Fingers and things like that. But I'm kind of all for bands yeah. doing this and doing experimental stuff with EPs because then you can kind of dip your toe in and try new ideas. And if it works, great. Um, bring them forward to the next record. And if it doesn't, just pretend it never happened and it's fine. And I think a lot of ideas work on this. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, the live tracks, I mean, the live tracks are the live tracks. Yeah. Like they, they're live versions of songs I've already heard, but yeah. of the sort of four other tracks, like honestly, open brackets, I don't feel like dancing is um, is great as well. Mm -hmm. And the, the kind of, I the honestly, I don't feel like dancing refrain is great. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know, you've mentioned Fugazi and Cave-In, mm -hmm. and I'm going to mention a band who they remind me of as well, who I think, yeah, are artistically are just as good as those bands. Do you know who the Guru Guru remind me of, Renfri? To me, they are the nerd, annoyed Don Broco. You know, I can see that actually. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like if Don Broco were the guys in Hot Chip, yeah, and they were nerds. Yeah, they'd make music like this. This is actually it's weird, and they're weird, but they got some absolutely excellent pop hooks. Yeah, the hooks are huge. right. The hooks are fucking huge. And Don Broco, like, I don't give a shit what any of you think. Don Broco write fucking magical pop songs. They are a great, a great band. A truly great band. They're better than Aim and Ra, whatever <laughs> crap you're listening to. <laughs> well, we're reviewing their new album soon. I can't remember when it comes out, yeah. but they do have a new album coming out soon. So we'll see. They do have a new album. I'm excited for that. Like, I, I genuinely think Don Broco write really kind of weird. They're kind of like A, actually. They write weird idiosyncratic pop songs that you could just, you know, like, they're not, they're not, um, Young Guns or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And writing some like bullshit fucking pile of crap. Anyway, uh, they remind me of Don Broco. The Guru Guru remind me of Don Broco. Oh, like a kind of it. really geek, geeky, weird Don Broco. And I think like, if you don't like that, what's wrong with you, you mad shit? Don, so go and check them out. Don Broco, Don Broco meets Weezer with more angular guitars. Yeah. More an Angela guitars. <laughs> Angela Merkel guitar. Oh. Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel guitar. I love Angela guitars. She's my favourite. <laughs> Weird. Uh, yeah, no. Like, I think the Don Broco thing is totally apt. I see that. I mean, um, I find the Guru Guru a more interesting band than Don Broco. If I'm totally honest, Steve. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, like I don't think Don Broco is a bad shout at all. Not to some people off but um yeah i can see where you're, if you're with put that. off by don broco you're a fucking snob aren't you you're just a big snob like you're boring i mean you're boring snob there's a lot of snobs Pete. out there if that's the case although having said that they do have a massive, yeah there are they... <laughs> yeah there are there are a lot of snobs i don't there. have a strong opinion on don broco one way or the other i'm totally like i'm just you know, fine i just think you know all you virgins laughing at don broco <laughs> <laughs> he's staring right into my eyes as he's saying this listeners I want you to <laughs> oh it's good to be back um anyway the guru guru it's a doggy dog world and live in Antwerp is out now if you like Fugazi and Don Broco and the idea of them like having you know, a baby yeah wanking each other off then <laughs> that's what this is you've been very crude anyway you've been very crude we'll in this be show Thank you. Thank you. I have been quite crude, actually. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be reviewing Tyler, the creator mm. and other things. Mm. Um, bit of a shame we couldn't get it this week, but we will review him yeah. next week. Got a new album. That is a big, big, one of the big, big, big releases of the year, I think. So that should be pretty exciting. Uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and you can sign up for all of our exclusive content, including that big old Joy Division celebration coming at some point in the next week. Uh, anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. God, it's been a long one. Apologies for that. Bye now. <laughs>